What's going on, sports fans? Coming at you over the power of the internet, my name is John Thomas, and with me, as always, is Kempson Cross for the Semi-Athletic Sportscast. How's it going, Kempson? Life is pretty good. It's, it's about to, especially at work, it's about to get pretty hectic with uh, high school and college sports really starting back up. I was in Highwood for a friend's uh, wedding, or wedding of two friends who I uh, know from college, and and we were able to actually catch up in, in Great Falls, actually, in person. And, um, yeah, we were climbing in trees and hitting them with PVC pipes to try to get a false disc out of out of the tree in Great Falls. Yeah, my dad got a disc golf disc stuck in so deep in a tree, and we thought we were going to find it and never did. So, yeah, it was, it was a fun little bit of an adventure after eating an unholy amount of Mexican food for lunch. It was good food. But, anyway, off of our lives and on to maybe – the more important news and the reason why all of you are all here is starting with the big NFL news is obviously the thing that is not so, I don't want to say rocked the NFL world, but is definitely been a big shakeup in terms of how we're looking at the NFL season is the suspension of Ezekiel Elliott, who was suspended by the NFL for six games for domestic violence, as well as what I suspect is the domestic violence plus some of his other off the field shenanigans that have gotten him into some trouble um with the league so what do you what are your thoughts Kempson? what do you think as a brother and a son not a fan of him pulling a woman's shirt down uh or being even accused of domestic violence but and having there's some evidence to back it up as well he was i think not i think as far as the courts go he is there wasn't enough evidence to bring it to court or something along those lines. Um, and then there's the, also I've been reading some stuff about how the girlfriend's trying to like has a personal vendetta uh, about it, but it's honestly, a lot of that's just noise. Like fundamentally what it comes down to for me is you don't like domestic violence is not okay. It, it, whether it's a, uh, parents and a kid or it's a significant other or whatever it's it's not okay and it's it's there's it's not i know that some of this policy that they're applying and he's appealing the, the ban as well but i know the policy that they're applying goes back to ray rice and how he got suspended two games and then there was a bunch of public backlash for that and then they up the ante basically to six games more recently and i mean but you and i are kind of in agreement that he i mean we would be down for him to be suspended for a year yeah i mean i think for me it's i think he should be suspended for a year i i think that seems the most fair and logical thing to do is just suspend him just suspend him for a year say this is unacceptable like if you look at it um the way I've been looking at it this way for quite a while is that Tom Brady got a four-game suspension for deflating a football. That was an absolute witch hunt that wasn't even, like, objectively legitimate. It's it, it, it was a farce. And this is a much more serious matter with more evidence as well. Yeah, but, but what I mean is, is if you look at it, it's like, okay, Tom Brady got four games for for deflating a football and Ezekiel Elliott is getting for something far worse is only getting six games. 
Now I know the I know it doesn't necessarily math like the, the, this doesn't this isn't a math problem because if we were to suspend him for a year, then we're only saying, well, you know, it's it's if you suspended for a year, that's roughly four times the amount of you know it's four times as worse. That's not that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is is that when you look at it from that perspective, saying that domestic violence is only two games worse than deflating a football is insane. It should be a year and it shouldn't be tolerated. For a first-time offense, a second-time offense, you should be done. Like, no second chances. Like, I'm a firm believer in that you screw up once, you deserve a second chance. Like, that's that's some... Um, and if, it, if this is something that... You got to give Zeke a chance to to improve as a person, improve himself. Like, that's just something that I'm a firm believer in. Give him a year off. Say, you're going to take this year. You're not going to get paid. Especially to a young rookie who probably, let's just be honest, has spent a bunch of money. Going a year without without a, without pay is going to be huge. It's really going to be a, a true chance to, like, be like, you need to learn from your mistakes and then move on with your life and see what happens. But... Redemption can be a storyline that comes later, but discipline has to come first in things like this. Of as far as now, you could, like you're saying, like we both talked about, making make a suspend him for a year just on personal conduct because he's done a couple different, or at least been alleged to have been involved in with the bar fight and stuff like that. He's been at least been involved or implicated in several bonehead off the field events or incidents. And so off of personal conduct, you, I mean, and on a personal level, Zeke needs, apparently needs to just find a new hobby to keep himself out of trouble when he's not on the football field. Well, I think the big thing with it is too, is that like you look at the landscape and he has, he like, I think the bigger point out of all of this is not just Zeke. Like I think, I think the Zeke storyline is pretty is pretty straightforward on what needs to happen. He needs to be suspended for more than six games. He needs to have a chance to redeem himself, improve himself, and grow as a human being. Because, like, let's be honest, that's one of the things about football that, like, when you're in high school and even when you're in middle school, it's it's about improving as a human being. So I think losing that element is super, like, it would be tragic. So, like, we need to – that needs to be recognized. It's the same thing I said about Ray Rice is that, like, Ray Rice did something that was objectively terrible, but should he have gotten a second chance and the opportunity to redeem himself? I, I think so. Um, but with the bigger thing here, I think is is with the Cowboys as an organization. I think, and I know I've said this before, is that I I think that Jerry Jones is a Hall of Fame level owner. Uh, well, he is in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that. But I think he's as an owner, he's someone that has not only been one of the worst owners in sports. Um, what's that? Yeah. Well, he's, I think he's one of the worst owners and GMs. I think it's, I think it works both ways. I think, um, like, I think in this instance, it's one in the same because it's like, um, it's like if you, if you pay attention to what anything happens in like the Packers, for instance, it's the team I know the best. So I'm going to use it as the example. There was a rumor on last year after Eddie Lacy got hurt that the Packers were going to sign Ray Rice or that the Packers were going to draft Joe Mixon. And the thing that you always heard out of anybody that covered the Packers was the president of the Packers, because the Packers are don't have an owner, quote unquote, but the, the closest thing we have is Mark Murphy. 
that in order for them to have signed Ray Rice or drafted Joe Mixon, he has to, the owner has to give an okay in a situation like that. That isn't a call the GM gets to just make. The owner gets input. So, um, and the thing with, with Jerry is like Jerry has been okay with the, with the Cowboys. I don't want to say like, like making it okay that, that players have a history of like, like, like the, the Gregory guy is named Raymond or Rain or and Greg Hardy. Yeah. There was, there's the Gregory guy too. They have a, they have a, yeah. There has to come. I'm a, I'm a personal believer in like making millions of dollars and playing football is not a right. It's a privilege. I don't care how good you are. You, it's a privilege to be there because, yeah, sure. It's 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 up to the owner and who it is to to employ you and want to be there to, to to give you employment. That is a risk they are perfectly allowed to take. But the thing with the Cowboys is they have almost made this sort of behavior allowable and okay. And that's where I have a problem with it is that. Even if you listen to Jerry before the the suspension was handed down, it was like, there's nothing's going to happen. He's innocent. He's fine. Nothing's going to happen. Zeke is like Mr. Perfect, and I'm going to defend him to my last breath. It's like, the dude's being accused of domestic violence. Like, I, I mean, there, there comes a point where he's like, yeah, we're going to stand behind him, and we're going to back him up. But the way that he has gone about it, where it has been, there's under no circumstances, is Zeke guilty, Jerry hasn't done anything to work to hold the kid accountable since the suspension was handed down. It's all been about like this clear, like Zeke's behavior was okay. Like that's, that's kind of the message that's coming out from Jerry is that what Zeke did is okay. This pattern of behavior is okay. And it's blatantly not. And that's the bigger problem is that we, as a, as a society and as a culture, we can't allow that to become okay. That is my point is that the dudes in the hall of fame, we got to be like, it's like you look at a lot of hall of fame level NFL players, who, players that are in the hall of fame. We all, a lot of them are, are fantastic people on and off the field. You know, there's, there are things that, that keep players out of the hall of like off the field issues. Like what's, what happened with, uh, Darren Sharper, for instance, who is potentially a Hall of Fame level player, but he's never going to make the Hall of Fame because of his off the field actions. It's like what we, we should hold Jerry Jones should be held to that same standard that if you make this type of behavior, okay, you don't belong in the Hall of Fame. Like this is like it's something that we've all just kind of become okay with and it's not good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know what else to say I, I, as far as it, it, just the fact that physical violence is not okay uh, with anybody that you love. Um, it's 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 not it's just it's not part of a healthy relationship or healthy. Uh, the point you're making as far as the franchise of the Cowboys culture, it's that shouldn't should not be accepted as as something that 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 happened or well that shouldn't be I guess blatantly accepted. And I, and I agree. And I think the, the bigger thing is too, with, with this whole situation that there is one part of this that like, I always find like very, very, like, I, I don't know how to deal with part of this. And that's the, 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 the police chose not to bring the charges before a court of law. Now there or the prosecutors did anyway, in this case, like decided it didn't need to go to court. Now in Zeke's defense a little bit, it's like, I don't, I don't know how I cope with, 
should the NFL be able to levy punishment when it wasn't brought in a court of law like that? But for me, how I've, how I've decided to reconcile it is that like, and this is something that I think this is an important conversation to have is that like, when you look at, um, being found, let's look at it this way. It's the, let's look at OJ for instance. And I know this is a terrible example because we all know he did it because he's basically admitted to it since then. But we're going we're gonna to travel back in time to the 90s for a moment and say, okay, OJ um, was, was found innocent. Assume he was still a player when he was found innocent of murder in a court of law. They said not, well, he wasn't found innocent. He was found not guilty in a court of law. If you're found not guilty, that should be a, a situation where the NFL can't levy punishment because that's like, okay, um, clearly the, they're a jury has made a decision about, about this. When a prosecutor doesn't even bring the case to court, that's a different story for a lot. Like there's, there's a lot of conflicting stories out there that they didn't think they were going to get a conviction because of some, you know, some evidence that might've said, Oh, we're not going to convict. So we're not even going to bring it towards a court of law, which I think is BS. Like I, I hate the fact that as a society, we put so much stake in a prosecutor's record. It's terrible. Like that, that is just like a, a phenomenon needs to stop. It hurts a lot of different things. Um, but in this specific instance, there, there is a lot of very damning evidence that from what I understand that the NFL has. And that is the difference here is that it's like they have damning evidence and this was never tried in the court of law. The NFL has every right to do this. If it would be somewhat of a different story had, had it gone to court because I think this it's a dichotomy that we need to hold because I think there's a lot of people that immediately want Zeke not suspended just because he was never tried in the court of law. And I think that's just a bogus argument. I think that in the, in the long run there, there is, had he been tried and found not guilty, I would potentially be more inclined to agree, but because that never happened, I think, the NFL has every right to do that. And we need to maintain that standard where the NFL has the ability in a situation like this to take action. Besides they're, they're, they're more or less a private company. They are, they have every right to, if they want to, if a boss wants to suspend you for something like this, they should have every ability to, especially if it's in your contract, which as I understand it now, most of the the domestic violence policies are in your contract. So you are agreeing to it. Zeke needs to clean up his act, bottom line. The burden of proof, so to speak, is lower for the NFL than it is maybe for the court of law. And whether you think that they should have brought it before the court is is up to you as well. But the fact is, the NFL, as an employer, like you're saying, has really a duty to enforce standards of character. And that's what they're trying to do here, it seems like. Yeah, and I agree. And and to kind of just put a bow on this conversation is that I think the NFL is is doing a lot to play catch up with with the NBA in particular. Like the NBA in terms of being like quote unquote progressive and forward thinking and about a lot of this stuff. The the NBA in a lot of ways is what the NFL is not. And everybody and like I love Adam Silver as a commissioner. I think he's like doing a lot to actually make the NBA better. Do I necessarily agree with him on everything? Of course not. But but I think the NFL in a lot of ways is looking at what's going on in the NBA and is trying to chase it. 
And I think in a lot of ways that is probably an explanation for what's going on here as well is that they are trying to do that. And I think that if that's really what the NFL wants to do is, is to chase what the NBA's success in all of this and they're making the right decision and it's a, it's a worthwhile goal to, to have is to be trying to, um, to, to, to be more forward thinking and handle these issues that don't keep blowing up in the NFL's face because like we're not going to get into the Kaepernick stuff and like the, the national anthem stuff. But the one thing I am going to say about it is it has been a, it, it's partially been a PR nightmare for the NFL. There's no denying that there's no, there's zero denying that. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. There's no denying that. And the NFL, I think wants to stop them because it seems like every year there's like two or three huge scandals in the NFL that are just PR nightmares. And they're trying to, and they're trying to put a stop to that. And I think that's kind of where this is starting to go. But should we move on to should move on to predictions? Just uh, yes, but I think part of that is also being the most popular sport in America. Like that kind of comes with that territory. Like they've they've gotten into that, and so now you have the brightest spotlight on you. And not to get too philosophical or deep with it, but like we as a culture, build people up to tear them down to a certain extent. Like that's the, that's the cycle. It's a vicious cycle and it's not, it's, it's, it's not necessarily right, but, uh, or what we were made for. If I, if I want to phrase it that way, which is what I believe, but, um, it's, that's a fact. It's the, the way that our society, our culture churns people up just to spit them out. That's partially what I think is happening to the NFL here. Not only are they trying to make everybody happy, which is a doomed cause, uh, trying to make every single person happy. Um, it's, it, I don't know. It's like, like you've said before, it's, it, it seems to be that they're kind of on the, on the decline as, as, the, as the most popular sport in America. You think NBA is going to overtake them shortly. Oh yeah, it's. I, I don't think there's any denying it's going to happen. I think the biggest thing is the NBA is becoming more popular because playing a pickup game of basketball is a lot easier than playing pickup football first and foremost. So that's something. And the NBA doesn't have the CTE problem, which is undeniable. That the NBA is becoming more and more popular all the time, um, especially with the, with the talk of expansion in the next year or two. The NBA is really going to is really going to become popular because you have, you have a wealth of like the athletic talent that exists in the NBA is starting to rival the NFL. And especially with a lot of players coming over from Europe, um, who are becoming very popular, like, like the Dirk Nowitzki's of the world are and like the, in, in a more modern context, the, the Christopas Porzingis's of the world, the, the Yurkic's and Nokic's of the world, there are more and more European players that are coming over to just add to this already like immensely athletically talented pool that's making the NBA a strong product. And as soon as, assuming they can they can handle some of the big problems like how weak the East is compared to the West and and kind of work out some competitive balance things. There's talk of redrawing the conferences into not East and West but into something different, more like what you see in the NFL once they add two teams, assuming one is in Seattle, almost assuredly. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But the NBA has all of the momentum right now and is going up. 
and the NFL seems to be going backwards. And I mean, even look at it, it starting in July, it was like all the big storylines in sports were the NBA for for almost a month, even after the finals until training camp started. It was free agency, the trades that went on, and then the Kyrie thing. It's been dominating up until training camp for the NFL started. I think the writing's on the wall. Yeah, I, it's not going to happen this year, obviously. But um, yeah, but basketball is already built in. It's already really already a world or worldwide, a more worldwide, more global sport. And it's like baseball in that way, and it's like some other sports in that way. Football is very American. <laughs> um, soccer was the other one. Soccer is obviously a, a, a much bigger phenomenon than basketball, but as far as the global influence helping the NBA overtake the NFL as far as being more popular among Americans, yeah, that's that's clearly a, a trend that will make, that probably will continue. And as far as the CTE thing and as far as some of the health concerns, I'm a believer in knowing what, as long as you know what you're signing up for, like it's totally your choice whether to play a sport or participate in an activity or not. And so it is really up to each individual person um, and to a certain extent while, they, while they're still children, parents, um, as far as whether people participate and in what, what sports they do participate. Um, but bottom line is, uh, hey, we fit some basketball talk in uh, to what we thought was going to be an NFL show. Yeah, I mean, I think anymore, though, the, the NBA, especially when you're talking about the league as a whole, the NBA and NFL are going to be demonstrably linked in a way that you, is going to be very hard to separate from just because they are polar opposites. They are, they, are the, they are perfect foils, if you want to use a literary word, of each other in a way that, that is, is very fascinating because they're, they're two leagues that are trending in both very different directions. And it's very interesting to see what happens, but you know, it's, it is, it is what it is. And it's going to be very fascinating in the next couple of years to see what happens, especially if, if, if Adam Silver and Roger Goodell are still at the helm, I I'm, I'm a firm believer that I think the NFL needs, needs, uh, needs a change of leadership. Um, I think a lot of what Goodell's done, he gets some, he gets some flack for, for some for a lot of things and rightfully so like his handling of, of domestic violence in the past as well as um some of his just like gaffes as a commissioner but the one thing he, you can't deny is he's made the league a lot of money but having a more forward-facing new commissioner might not be the worst thing that that wants to really take you know take a more hardline approach to some of this stuff and just kind of see what happens but it's not going to happen for a while but it would just be interesting so yeah, let's let's get back on to some serious football talk and get on to our predictions. Let's start with the AFC North. Who do you have winning the division and how do you uh, actually let's do it this way. Let's go who's going to win the division and just start with the division winner all the way down to the last place team. Expectations, what do you think's going to be good? What do you think's going to be bad? Things like that. Um so who do you have winning the AFC North? 
I have the Pittsburgh Steelers winning the AFC North, and it's not going to be super close. I think that, as always, AFC North division battles are going to be must-see TV, at least at the top of the division, where I have Pittsburgh, then Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and I think that's pretty... uh, uh, Well, I think some people flip Baltimore and Cincinnati, but I think it's pretty uh, much across the board. The Steelers are one of the top three, four, five teams in the NFL. They have their triplets, which hopefully they can get back together and keep healthy throughout the entire year in Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. And then they're already solid on defense, and they're obviously hoping to get better, and the addition of P.J. Watt and things like that will will help them with that, I I believe. So at, say, like 12-4, and I think they, they win the division. I do think the Ravens will definitely be in contention for a wild card spot. I have them at about nine and seven or so. I think the addition to Jeremy Macklin will be key for them with the wide receiver core. They also, uh, I know that they sustained a blow to the backfield with Terrence West going down with an injury. I think Joe Flacco, uh, John Harbaugh especially, I think he's a a great coach, and I think that the pressure's kind of on them to to take a, a step back forward and into the postseason. And the Bengals, meanwhile, I have them at seven and nine at the max. I don't think that they are a playoff team. I know it's just kind of a gut feeling because I know people are excited about the additions of John Ross, Joe Mixon in the draft and such. Uh, Cleveland, I mean, I have them at four and twelve optimistically. I hope they win enough to keep Hugh Jackson because I like him. So just just for some some transparency to our listeners out there, the way I did predictions. Um, I, a lot of the coin flip games, I just went ahead and gave to the stronger team. Um, the team I thought was better, not necessarily just because there's some of these games that are super close and it's just too hard. I don't want to pick a bunch of ties cause that's, that's just not going to happen. So in a lot of situations, um, if teams played each other once, I went ahead and gave the, gave the, the team that I perceive is generally better the win, even though. They're going to be some really close games. And um, so the, my win-losses I have on a lot of these teams, I don't necessarily think are going to be accurate. Um, so I'm just going to give you some ballparks. So I think the Steelers are going to be somewhere in the 12-4, and four, anywhere up to about 14-2 and two range. Um, I think they're probably going to be – I have them in making it all the way to the conference championship game. Um, they are going to be one of the best teams in football, assuming everything breaks the right way with no injuries. Big Ben staying healthy and still being Big Ben. Antonio still being probably one of the top two or three receivers. In, well, he is definitely one of the top two or three receivers in football. Um, they're going to be a very tough team to beat. They're definitely going to make the playoffs, barring disaster. Uh, then I have the Bengals at about 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they're, they're a tough team to look at. I actually think the, them or the Ravens, one of them is going to finish about 8-8. Eight and eight, The other is about 6-10. and ten. Depends on where you look at it. I think the Bengals um, have taken some good steps forward, but I think the biggest problem is they offensively don't really have a lot of firepower because I think Andy Dalton is just an okay quarterback. He's not he's not great. He's not terrible. He's, he's Andy Dalton. He's basically the definition of average, and I think average in this league is not going to get you playoff wins. It's not even, It might not even get you to the playoffs. Um, especially in the AFC where there's some really, really talented teams that could really give them, give them some problems. So I think the Bengals are going to be somewhere in the, in the range of being average. Um, on the flip side of that, I think the Ravens 
have a pretty good defense, but their problem is um, they're an okay defense. They're not great, but they're okay. But their bigger problem is, again, on the offensive side of the ball, they have a quarterback who's who's good. He's above average. He's pretty good. Um, he's won a Super Bowl, but they don't have any weapons around him. I, I look at the Ravens and I go, they're one or two good receivers away from being a pretty, like, they could they could challenge to make the playoffs. But without without that sort of firepower, I just don't see it happening. I think um, they're, they're kind of in a rebuild mode, and there's a lot of people that think this year is going to be do or die for Harbaugh, which, which sucks because I really like both of the Harbaugh's. I think they're great football coaches, but the Ravens' general manager just hasn't done a very good job of getting a good team around Flacco the last couple of years, and unfortunately it's probably going to cost a, the coach's job if they don't at least improve from where they were last year. Um, and then in last place, not surprisingly, I have the Browns, who I have winning anywhere between one and three games this year. They're going to be better. Um, Deshaun Kaiser is really going to um, – is kind of their X factor. They need to do their their due diligence and develop him and not just throw him into the fire. If they do a good job of developing him, especially with their newfangled offensive line that's actually going to be pretty good, that might be one of the ten best offensive lines in football next year, which is crazy. Um and if they can start getting more pieces around, um, around, around Kaiser, get a get a good run, get an okay running back, get a couple okay receivers, and they're going to be on the up and up. They obviously have Miles Garrett, who's going to be a stud. I have a feeling, so they're they're on the up and up, but they're not quite. Um, they're not going to break the like five win threshold. I don't think this year. Yeah, I'm going off what you're saying with the offensive line. This is probably my final point on the AFC North. Part of the reason that I have Cincinnati struggling more so than even Baltimore necessarily is because of what they lost on the offensive line. I think up front they're going to struggle a lot, and so that's going to hamper their ability to get their skill position players, even though there's a ton of talent there involved. And then their defense is, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just, it doesn't, um, it's not, I don't think it's good enough to, uh, I think it comes down to the trenches for them, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I just think that it, they're not going to be good enough to uh, truly, truly be a playoff contender. And it's it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be it's going to be like I think the AFC North, while it on paper looks terrible, is a really interesting division to watch this year. Though I think they're like seeing where the the Browns go and just how much of an improvement, how much of the jump they are going to make. It's going to be really interesting. Um, it's going to be a really fascinating thing to watch. I think the Ravens and Bengals could go either way. Like that's the thing is like they. I think the Ravens in particular have potential to to kind of to maybe make it to nine and seven. Same thing with the Bengals. They could both you know scrape by above five hundred and just like kind of seeing where they end up and where they're improving and like where they're building towards the future for next season is going to be really interesting. And um. Obviously, the Steelers are just a fun team that's just going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, Antonio and Le'Veon Bell are just a fun, exciting duo. I mean, I, they're, they're almost must-see TV when they're on the field together. So they're, it's just going to be an overall, I think, interesting division. All right, South, uh, who do you have? What are you thinking? Well, I am being trendy, and I have the Tennessee Titans winning the division. I have the Houston Texans hot on their heels, and by hot on their heels, I – right now 
have them as I look at my list and identical overall records and divisional records at 10 and 6 and 4 and 2. The Titans get the edge over the Texans. Uh, and again, there's some point flip games that could, that could switch that up. But I do think the Titans will win that division. I think the Texans will be right behind them. And I think, especially considering the health questions of Andrew Luck, the Colts are going to struggle. I think the Colts are going to be below 500, and I think the Jaguars are as well. And but the thing about the Jaguars is, if if Blake Bortles develops and even is anywhere close to what he could be, especially with all the young talent that they have down there. The defensive side of the ball can could be scary for them as well. Um, the South is going to be a really, really interesting division to watch because Tennessee obviously has a lot of young talent. Houston has a good blend of veteran leadership and, and young talent as well. J.J. Watt's coming back healthy. That's going to be huge for them. Indianapolis, uh, around Andrew Luck, they – they're in rebuild mode, and they're wasting uh, a generational talent in Andrew Luck, um, which is unfortunate. Jacksonville, again, with Blake Bortles, the free agent, position, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Calais Campbell is one that stands out in my, in my mind. Uh, and so, I mean, honestly, this division, depending on how things go, would just be flipped. Like, that's... That's honestly how the NFL goes sometimes, and uh, I just think that Tennessee and Houston has the right stuff. Have have the right stuff. Indianapolis and Jacksonville are are just not there yet. So uh, I I have the ten. I, I don't know who's gonna win this division. I could see either the Titans or the Texans winning. It just depends on they have who wins the close games. That's like what it's gonna come down to. I have a feeling is can one of those two teams win close games. Um, and who does it better is going to probably be who wins the division. In terms of the, the big X factor in all of this, that was Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't think, I think he is the, the, this entire division hinges around him, I feel like, in terms of who's going to win. Because if he, if he ends up getting the starting job and is everything that people have thought he was going to be, the Texans are going to win that division. They are, I think their defense is a top 10 defense, especially with a healthy J.J. Watt. Um, they have a top five receiver in football in DeAndre Hopkins as long as they give him the flipping ball. You throw DeAndre the ball and look out. Like, it's going to be it's gonna be trouble. It always is. And that's one thing that Osweiler never really did, and it's something that they have criminally underutilized DeAndre Hopkins. If they, if they get to utilizing him and they get their run game going a little bit, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Um, on the flip side of that, the Titans have a lot of weapons. Their their running back duo of Demarco Murray and Derrick Henry is is tough to handle. They have probably the, I mean, one of the two or three best running back duos in the entire league. Maybe like they are they have a they have a really good running back tandem, and it's going to be a they're going to be really tough to stop. They're, they've added some weapons on, on offense for Mariota, and Mariota keeps getting better every single year. Uh, he's he's going to be, if he continues this upward trajectory that he's on, he's going to be one of the top 10 quarterbacks. I mean, he probably already is one of the top 10 quarterbacks, but he, he'll start making a push towards being a top five quarterback in the next couple of years as the, the Roethlisberger's, the Breeze's, the Eli Manning, and the Tom Brady's kind of, fade out he'll be one of the next generation to kind of make that jump um 
I think. And so they're, they're two very evenly matched teams that are going to be whoever wins that division is going to be a tough team to beat in the playoffs, I think, for sure, um, barring injuries and things like that. Jacksonville and the Colts, I think, are, uh, are, are both an interesting conundrum. The, the Jack, Jacksonville on, the de- on defense has a lot of talent. They're going to be really good. And then offense, they have what I call the Tal Allent, so like Allen, like Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns and like talent um, around Blake and Leonard Fournette, but they have Blake Bortles, who has objectively been a bust. He is terrible. He turns the ball. Like, I'm a firm believer that I don't care if you can't throw the ball well down the field. Um, in clutch situations, obviously, that's a problem. But if, if you can't throw the ball down the if you can't protect the football, you have a problem. And Bortles turns the ball over way too much. Now, you could say some of this is he doesn't have enough talent around him. I think their offensive line for the last couple of years has been suspect. I will give him that. But he hasn't improved. He looks like a like from everything you've heard out of training camp, in training camp, where there's dudes not hitting him, he looks like a deer in the flipping headlights. Like, it's training camp, man. If, if, if your starting quarterback doesn't look good in training camp, you got some problems. Now I understand that. Yeah, if you get off, you can get off to a slow start in training camp, but it hasn't been a slow start. There hasn't been any sign of improvement. He just looks lost. Bortles just looks lost. So that's not good. They, Jacksonville, for their sake, I hope gets a good quarterback. Um, I, I thought an interesting scenario is if Patrick Mahomes turns out to be good for the Chiefs. And I know we're going to talk about them a little bit later. Maybe Jacksonville should try and trade for Alex Smith. Like get a guy, not maybe not this year, but maybe after this year, they look into making a trade for Alex Smith and sit either Bortles behind Alex Smith or just get somebody there that that's serviceable until they can find a new quarterback. Like I just don't, I don't know what the, because Jacksonville, if you take away the quarterback, they are on paper a pretty good team, but they just but because of the quarterback question, they're going to be mediocre, and that's a huge problem. And on the flip side of that, you have the Colts, who have a generational quote unquote talent. I I have some, and we'll get to that in a second. I have some questions about Andrew Luck as a player, but there's no there's no they have the opposite problem. He has no talent around him. He is super talented, but he has no talent around him other than Ty Hilton is a bonafide stud but they got no one else so and plus he's coming off an injury I don't expect Andrew Locke to have a great year um by all accounts he might not even be ready for week one he might miss the first three or four weeks of the season is still a possibility maybe even up to six weeks so that could that could be not good for the Colts they're going to get off to a bad start I think they're going to finish somewhere between three and 13 and five and 11. And I, th- I think the same thing about Jacksonville, they're going to be kind of in the three to five win category. Um, the thing is with the Colts is, are they, re- they're, they're wasting Andrew Luck's prime. Like let's get, there's no doubt about that. Do I necessarily think Andrew Luck is this gigantically like hyped up monster that people think he is? No, I don't. I, Uh, if I, if you put him on the Jaguars, I think they're going to be good. I don't know if they can beat Tennessee or the Texans. 
just because I, I first off, I really like what the what the Titans have built on offense. That one-two punch of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry is tough, and Mariota is a good quarterback. I think Mariota is going to be a top five quarterback at some point in this league. I think his mobility helps. He makes great decisions, which is not something you say about Andrew Luck. Like that, I, I've always thought that. Yeah, Luck has, has a propensity to make some bad decisions even when he's not under pressure that Mariota necessarily doesn't. And and the Texans just have a, a monster of a defense. So do the I, I think if you put Andrew Luck on the Jags, they win at least four more games, though. I will say that. Are they going to win the division? No, but they win at least four more games. Yeah, I mean, it's they, they can compete. But I'm just saying I don't I don't know if it's going to be enough to, for them to win the division, but they will be competitive. Um. Um. And the thing, what my one other thing with Andrew Luck though is that I for a long time have felt that he was kind of overhyped coming out that like the second calling him the second coming of Peyton Manning or or whatever you want to call him, he's a generational talent, but he's not. I don't think he's as as good, or even if he had the talent around him, as people think he w- he would have been. Um, but that's just me. I think he'd be a great player, but I don't think he's he's this like like what do you want to call it? the unicorn, right? If we want to use the like weird Bill Simmons basketball term, he's not he's not a unicorn like people think he is. Like Aaron Rodgers is a bona fide unicorn. There is never going to be another Aaron Rodgers. Is there going to be Andrew Lux, like these good quarterbacks that are that are top five in the league but aren't necessarily Hall of Fame caliber that are good? Yeah, there will be more of them, I think is kind of my point. I, again, I don't – like the thing is, is like I look at divisions. Like there, there are divisions last year that you could have looked at – you'd have looked at the AFC South and been like, this division just isn't interesting because the Titans were still kind of building to something. The Texans were – are. Oh, were and and in a lot of um, cases are still a quarterback away from being. I mean, last year you look at the Texans, they might have. I mean, they might have really been able to make a run if they had a quarterback. But this year it's like the Colts and the Jaguars are both going to be, especially the Jags. The Colts are once Andrew Luck comes back will be interesting, but the the Jags are going to be a, that team that's like. It's going to be interesting to see where they are. Like they're definitely, they're definitely a. This is definitely a division that looked really boring last year that got very exciting in the course of an off season, which I think is really cool. Um. Uh. So that so there is that. Um. And then um. So yeah, I, I think that's. I, I mean, I think that's the AFC South in a nutshell. Um. So moving on to the AFC East, what are you thinking? Well, this is a division that is going to revert to being boring. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots are not are going to go undefeated against the division, and they're going to go 13 and three or somewhere in that neighborhood overall, I believe. And I think that the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets are just going to be fighting to be second, third, and fourth place. The Jets are fourth, I think. The Bills and the Dolphins. It could go either way. It depends on how good Jay Cutler is for Miami. Buffalo's clearly a team in transition. And the Jets, I mean, are wasting, I believe, uh, uh, from what I I can gauge from the football circles I follow, they're wasting a good head coaching talent in Todd Bolt, and I hope he gets a second chance if the Jets 
who uh, ties with him. I mean, I t- like the thing is with this division is like you look at it and it's like the Patriots are going to win the division. The Bills are. I don't know what's going to happen with the Bills because the problem is the Bills. I sit there and I look at it and I go, okay. If you would have asked me last week what I thought about the Bills, I'd have been like, they're going to go about eight and eight. Um, and then the, these trades happened on what was it, Thursday or Friday, um, of last week, and like a lot of people, this kind of took the Bills from kind of being like we knew what they are to being very much an unknown quantity. Like they could they could be anywhere between five and eleven which I don't think is going to happen. I think that's very much on the low end all the way up to um, uh, anywhere between maybe even going nine and seven. I could see that happening. Are they going to make the playoffs? No, but they like, I'm not really sure with what's going to happen. Cause they're, they're definitely a team in transition. And sometimes when you're a team in transition, you're just bad for a year. Um, and that just is how it goes. But on the flip side of that, sometimes you're a team in transition and you come out out the gate and you get kind of hot before teams get the chance to figure you out or you've got enough wrinkles in your game that nobody really knows what to expect and you can kind of sneak by and be pretty good. And I could see that happening with the Bills, which, hey, who knows what's going to happen. They're going to be that team that's like, what the heck is happening, right? They're they're the, um, they're the what is... Um, if you, if you listen to the Ringer GM Street on the Ringer, Mike Lombardi calls him the Kaiser Soze from from that one movie of, of the NFL. is like that, that kind of unknown, like very mysterious quantity. I think that fits the Bills very, very well in this, in this situation. Um, the Dolphins should be good, but with Tannehill's injury and them signing Jay Cutler, it's ambiguous at best. I, I, I have them winning no more than five games. And that kind of hurts me to say that because I, I like Jay Ajayi. He seems like a great guy, like a genuinely good human being. Um, their defense is great. Um, I'm not a big fan of Jarvis Landry at the moment for reasons very similar to what we discussed earlier, but the dolphins have some weapons. They're good. I just feel bad that they lost their, their, their starting quarterback who if, last year was any indication was start finally starting to turn the corner and become a good quarterback. So it's, they're going to be bad. I mean, they're going to be anywhere between four and 12 and six and six and 10 ish. Maybe, maybe seven and nine, maybe, but I just don't see them being very good. And the jets are a dumpster fire. And by dumpster fire, I mean they were a dumpster fire that was started by a plane crashing into a dumpster and lighting the dumpster on fire. Be- because they are just a, like, the Jets aren't even going to get off the ground this year. If they win more than three games, it's a miracle. Like, I, I was, I mean, it's like, at this point, the Jets would almost be better just putting two running backs in the backfield instead of a quarterback and a running back and seeing what happens. That's how bad their quarterback situation is. They lost a good receiver. They have they, they lost Brandon Marshall. Darrell Revis is a shell. If he's even on the team. Did they cut him? They cut him. So he's not even there. Even in his shell of his former self. They they are a they're toast. I appreciate your tragically funny Jets analysis. 
before we move on from the AFC East, I, something that you were talking about in the Bills and the Dolphins, kind of, uh, and it is uh, obviously also a, a, a kind of along the lines of Mariota and Derek Carr going down really late in the season last year and robbing the AFC playoffs of being a lot more interesting. The Dolphins, that's what's happening with Ryan Tannehill here. Because losing him for the year means that they're not able to uh, take, I, I think we agree, they're not able to take a step forward or even try to stay uh, stay where they were last year in contending for the playoffs, even making the playoffs. Now, kind of the flip side of that, I would look at Buffalo and say, do you think that with a first-year head coach and all that, do you think they could use kind of – Miami from last year as something of a, a foundation or a, um, again, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, kind of look at them as a something to replicate, so to speak, uh, as far as just leaning on their ground game really hard and with a good, with a pretty good offensive line, Shady McCoy and some other talent. It, it, that's that's also something to watch there. So moving away from the AFC East onto the AFC West. We have the Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos. Kempson, who do you think is going to win, and how do you think it's going to shake out? I think Oakland's going to win, and I think they're going to be in the neighborhood of where they were last year at about 12-4. and four. And I think the Chiefs are still going to be a playoff contender, but they're going to be a couple wins behind Oakland. Now, Oakland obviously has a franchise quarterback in Derek Barr, who they signed to a huge extension this offseason, and I think he's worth it. Uh, especially with the way that he's able to elevate everybody around him, the wide receivers and uh, the running backs. Who I know they lost Latavius Murray, but he could have a, a committee going there. And then their offensive line is one of the best in the league by, by many accounts. Defense is kind of in a transition. And, uh, I mean, the team, to a certain extent, is in transition because in a couple of years they're moving to Vegas, obviously. But I don't think that's going to... I don't think that's going to hamper them uh, uh, too much. I think that they're still going to be able to come out on top in this division. Kansas City, Alex Smith is still going, uh, even though you love him or hate him. Um, he's kind of vanilla, I guess, from the quarterback position, but at least he doesn't lose you games, and he may even win you some down the, down the stretch as well. He's just a, usually a solid NFL quarterback. Not necessarily going to put up huge fantasy numbers. Tyreek Hill might. He's one of one of the most exciting names in the in the entire league. They probably got worse at the wide receiver position, especially with the departure of Terry Mackin. I think they got worse there. And so, if they have someone other than Travis Kelsey uh, take a step forward, then that's going to help them out a lot. And on the defensive side, I know that they lost on Tari Poe, but I believe that the defense is still going to be pretty good, and it's going to be good enough for them to not only contend, but probably, I think, make the playoffs. Denver, the quarterback position still a, a question mark. They have the talent around them. The offensive line struggled at times last year. That was part of the reason the quarterback position was kind of, uh, un, or kind of unstable or not not giving them always what they needed. Their defense is still going to be great, and that's what's going to keep them in games. The Chargers are also a team in transition, obviously, to Los Angeles, and they're a little bit like the Broncos in that they have they have their they have their quarterback position figured out, and then I mean, hopefully, 
the talent around him and to the wall in front of him in the form of the O-line, hopefully that all that talent doesn't drop like flies because they should have a pretty solid defense and they should be in a lot of games this year. I just think they're both going to be below to right at 500, maybe a little bit over. Uh, the, the AFC West is going to be strong once again from top to bottom. Okay, so in terms of the AFC West, we have, um, I think Oakland's going to win the division pretty handedly. Um, anywhere between 10 and 6 and 13 and 3, I tend to be more in the, the 12 and 4, 13 and 3 range is where I think they'll end up. Um, I think they're, they're, their pass rush with Khalil Mack is going to be really tough to stop for offenses to stop. Um, and he's just going to create a lot of chaos. And when you have a lot of chaos going on, it's hard for offenses to operate. Um, Checkdowns to run plays aren't going to really be there. You're not going to be able to audible at the line of scrimmage. And it's really going to force a lot of offenses to become a little more one-dimensional and throw the ball a lot, which is good because then when you have a weak pass defense, you can you can better prepare for the prepare for the pass instead of having to worry about both the pass and the run. Um, and on offense, Amari Cooper is a stud. Derek Carr obviously just signed that monster extension, which I think we could debate how the number, but he definitely deserved it. He deserved all that money. And and the big question is Marshawn Lynch. Um, if he looks like he did three years ago. He's going to be an absolute stud. Um, Oakland's run blocking offensive line is far superior to what anything he had in Seattle. So if he picks it up, where I can't believe I keep forgetting about Marshawn Lynch. Ever, I mean, it's just like, he's like an afterthought. Yeah, I don't know yeah, why. And he's if he if he picks it up where he left off, the Raiders are going to be a very tough offensive team to stop, and their defense is pretty good. They might they they have some holes there, especially at corner. But they're still going to be a they're going to be a very good team. Um, they're going to be a tough team to beat, um, and I think they're going to win the division. I actually have the Chargers coming in second in the division um, on my predictions. I actually think they're going to be pretty good if they stay healthy. Their 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 defense was give or take eighth in DVOA last year, which is a pretty good indication. Um, and I think their offense is only going to get better once Keenan Allen comes back healthy. Um, and if they can keep if they can stay healthy on offense, I expect a pretty big improvement there. So you're actually going to see the Chargers are going to get better, and I think that's going to lead them to come in second in the division, anywhere between nine and seven and eleven and five. Um, I tend to think like the ten and six range is a pretty good is a pretty good spot for them. I think if they keep if they stay healthy and their defense is as good as it was last year, and then I have the Chiefs and Broncos both sitting at about nine and seven each. Um, I think they. They they have different they have kind of the same problem they have they both have very electric defenses, um, and that their their defense especially Denver's defense is probably I mean they were last year like first in D, uh, defensive DVOA last year they are a monster of a defense they're so tough to handle but the problem is that they don't have a quarterback they don't the, the Broncos need to solve their problem at quarterback because they have two insanely talented receivers. They're going to have Jamal Charles. They're going to be, have potential except with their offensive line to be a very, very talented offensive team next year. If it wasn't for the fact that the guy throwing the, throwing the football seems like a guy that doesn't even really matter. He, he seems um, Simeon or even Paxton Lynch just seem like guys that, that aren't going to be a long-term solution for them and they need to solve it. And obviously it's not going to happen this year. The Chiefs have a similar problem, except they they have Patrick Mahomes obviously sitting behind Alex Smith, and they don't have nearly the weapons that the the Broncos do. But they're still both of those teams are in a very similar spot. 
And I think both of those teams um, are going to finish somewhere between eight and eight, nine and seven. Um, one of them might finish seven and nine. I think they're definitively like from top to bottom, they're the closest division in the in the entire maybe in the entire NFL. But they're just a. I just think that the the Raiders and Chargers are going to really separate themselves from the pack. I and I mean I know I'm kind of probably in the minority that thinks the Chargers are going to be pretty good. But I just think with that defense, if Joey Bosa keeps getting better, they're just going to be such a talented team. And I think the Raiders are just head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in that division, that that's, that's going to be how that shakes out. Yeah, I think good health for the Chargers could definitely be an X factor in a possible run to the playoffs or at least getting into the postseason for them. Uh, I think that uh, especially as, as Rivers' career winds down, they've, they've got to gotta do all they can to obviously maximize what they got with him. The reason I kind of give Kansas City the edge, uh, the reason I kind of give Kansas City the edge over the Broncos and the Chargers in whatever order you want to put them in, is Kansas City as an established coach who we know is is used to success in the NFL and Andy Reid and Denver and the Los Angeles Chargers both have, in addition to some of their other question marks, they both have brand new head coaches. And I think that could make a difference as well. I think that, I think that like you're saying, the, the Chargers are more likely to threaten for the playoffs. I think Denver, the quarterback position, unless they do, unless Paxton Lynch does develop into maybe the guy that they envision when they use the first round pick on him, or Trevor Simeon takes a big step forward, uh, one of those two things has to happen at the quarterback position for Denver to truly threaten for the postseason. Absolutely, and I I, I I don't think there's anything else really to say about it. Like that's just that's just the fact of the matter is that like they I think the AFC West is definitely um isn't is kind of the the perfect encapsulation of of a problem that that plagues a couple other teams in the NFL. Like the the Falcons definitely kind of sit in this um in this sort of boat too, where it's like they're so good on one side of the ball that it's like that all of these teams are like the Raiders are so good on offense. Um, and their defense is a little bit better than some of these other teams. Um, that, that, and the chargers are so good on defense. Um, and they also have potential to be really good on offense. If they stay healthy chiefs, so good on defense Broncos, so good on defense, but all of their offenses are really the big question mark. Whereas like, if you look at like, you could say the same thing about like Atlanta and Tampa Bay are kind of the flip side of that where they are so good on offense, but not so much on defense. So it's definitely a, it's definitely a division that if one of those teams other than the Raiders takes a huge jump, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. That about wraps it up for our AFC predictions for this upcoming football season. Now we'll move on to the NFC also known as the nihilistic football conference. So starting with just in the same order that we did the AFC with the NFC North. Kempson, what are your thoughts? Oh, I have many. <laughs> did you really just do that? <laughs> yes, I did. And it was funny and you know it. I mean, it was funny, but I, I, like I told you, like, like I told you previously, we can talk about nihilism some other time. We're going to do the NFC right now. Okay. Anyway, um, it was a good joke. It was a really clever joke, and you okay. know it. Um, well, I hesitate to ask what the AFC is at this point, but we can go. Uh, let's just dive right in. Uh, the North Division. 
Green Bay Packers are going to win that division. Uh, as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, then Packers are going to win that division. And it, it, someone else would have to make strides that they didn't this offseason to change my mind about that. Uh, speaking of strides, the Packers made some by adding Martellus Bennett. So they'll have an actual tight end for the first time since Jermichael Finley, it feels like. And um, Hey, don't diss on Jared Cook. Jared Cook was good. No, that's fair. He, he was, yeah. That's true. Um, but now Jared Cook is with my guy, Derek, in, in Oakland. But, um, yeah, that's fair. Mar- but Martellus Bennett is going to be an upgrade at the position, is my point. Maybe some questions on the O-line, maybe some questions on the defense as well. But, uh, I-, I don't know. Minnesota would have to take a large step forward that I don't expect them to, to do. I-, I think they'll still kind of be around 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, I think they'll contend for the playoffs for part of the year, but they'll ultimately miss out. I think they're the second best team in that division, though. I think Detroit is going to kind of come back down to earth to a certain extent because they won a lot of close games last year. I think their luck is going to kind of run out a little bit. Um, I don't know that they improved enough uh, from a talent standpoint to return to the playoffs. They kind of backed into the playoffs last year anyway. So, And then Chicago is, to some extent, a dumpster fire. It might work out. Trubisky's looked okay in the preseason, but um, – they they just seem to be a, a franchise that's in a certain amount of limbo. So I don't expect big things from them at all. I think a lot of things about the NFC North. I think I'm right there with you. I think the I think the Packers are definitively the best team in that division as long as Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. And even if Rodgers gets hurt, they still might have an edge on the rest of the teams in that division, which is saying something, all things considered. Um but yeah, you're. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The Packers added Martellus Bennett, which is going to be a huge improvement over Jared Cook, who I liked. Uh, I think Jared Cook was a, is a really talented football player. He's really good and brought a lot of tools to that offense. Uh, Martellus Bennett brings a lot of the same tools to the table in terms of the passing game and and, and especially in terms of pass catching. The thing with um, Martellus over Jared Cook, though, is Martellus Bennett is definitively a better run blocker. He um, and as just a better blocker and more willing blocker in general. Um, Jared Cook, I mean, he could do it, but he wasn't great at it. Martellus Bennett gets out there day in and day out, down in, down out, and wants to keep getting after um, after his blocks and doing what he needs to do to put his team in a position to win, and I think that's going to be huge. The big question for the Packers is they lost TJ Lang, and that's going to be huge. Um, they lost Lang and Treader. Treader's with the Browns. C.J. Lang signed with the Vikings, or not the Vikings, the Lions. Excuse me. Um, but the fact of the matter is that like there's some questions on the offensive line because of losing Lang. But if they are, as long as it's not a huge step backwards from where they were last year, um, Jahari Evans is a is a good football player. Um, the the dude that they signed that is going to replace C.J. Lang. Evans is a good player. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, I think he won't be TJ Lang, but he's not going to be that much of a downgrade at the position to where I'm really worried about it. The thing with, with the Packers that that's the big question mark right now is their running game because Ty Montgomery, you sit there and you look at it and go, he's a converted wide receiver, possesses a tremendous amount of, of talent and brings a lot of struggles for a defense because you don't know if he's going to run the ball and he's still a pass catch, like one of the bigger pass catching running back threats that presents a lot of problems for defenses, but his health and ability to stay on the field will be a big question. And in preseason so far, the Packers haven't really been able to highlight their run offense that well. Um, Washington, 
uh, really gave them some problems over the weekend, and they thought that everything was going to kind of work out. It just just did not pan out the way they thought it, it was going to. So there's there are definitely some questions there about their running running attack on offense. Um, in terms of their defense, it sounds like the Packers have upgraded that they um, that they have re-signed Devon House, who is a who's a veteran in that locker room for a long time. Um, they got him back um, after him being away for a couple of years, and having him back has brought a real veteran presence. Um, Randall and Rollins, their two cornerbacks last year that were banged up pretty badly, seem to be back at full health. And Rollins, from everything you've, I've heard, sounds like he's taking a huge jump forward. Um, so they, they at least have some corners to be able to cover, and that's going to be going to be huge because that was their problem last year. It was like their their run defense fell apart after being one of the best in the league just because they had to always be trying to defend against the pass and couldn't defend against the run. If if all their corners stay healthy and play better than they did last year, the Packers are going to be a tough team to run the football against, and they'll be a kind of tough team to throw the ball against as well, which will really, I think, give them a pretty big edge. Uh, in terms of the Bears, Vikings, and Lions, I think that these three teams – are all in a very interesting place because I I sit there and the way I did my predictions I have them all sitting at around five and eleven, um, but I think that's like a worst case scenario. I think that was just me being maybe a little harsh when I was making my predictions, but I think all three of these teams have potential to be anywhere from like four and twelve to eight and eight, and I could see like maybe a nine and seven out of one of them. Um, in particular, the Vikings I think would would be the team. Um team there but they all are in a very weird 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 place like the bears if they can get if trubitsky plays up to his potential and, and the flashes you're seeing in the preseason they're going to be in a really good place they will be overall just um a very uh, uh they'll have a good offense they won't be great but they'll be decent they have some weapons around him that'll be that'll be really um they'll be really good the howard kid at the running back position for the bears seems to seems to have a lot of talent and could be a could be a real real threat um to be maybe one of the best running backs in football this year so that's that's always looking up um there's a lot of questions about the bears defense though um that i that we haven't really gotten answers in the preseason so it's really tough to say what's going on there it's there's just a lot of up in the air sort of questions about them um in terms of the vikings the vikings they added Dalvin Cook, who is going to be the obvious replacement for Adrian Peterson. He's shown some flashes in preseason, but he has not really performed as well as you would like to see to fully replace AP, which is a real struggle. And it really comes down to the Vikings' defense has not looked good in preseason. And I know it's preseason, um, but the limited amount of snaps that the quote-unquote ones have taken for the Vikings defenses, they have not looked good. They, they got spanked in Seattle by, from most of the reading I've done is they just looked, they looked poor. They just were not, they were not the Vikings defense that everybody thought they were going to be. And that's going to be huge because yeah, they've got Sam Bradford. Who's, you know, Mr. Conservative at quarterback who isn't going to give you a lot, but he's going to, you know, do his best to protect the football. He's going to make some dumb mistakes, but if, if you give Sam Bradford a bad defense, it's, it's going to be, they're, I mean, they could really take a huge step back um, this year, which would not, which I think would be rather unfortunate. And then it's kind of the same thing with the Lions: is their defense? There's, there's some questions. They lost some players in free agency, um, and and the thing is, you get the feeling from just looking at their offense that they didn't really improve anywhere. 
that I know towards the end of the year last year that the the Matt Stafford finger injury or I think or a hand injury or whatever it was really did hurt that team um, down the stretch. But at the same time, I I don't know if I necessarily see a team that that is playoff ready. I could see them, you know, being four and twelve, and I could I could see them being nine and seven, and it's like. You know, they, I mean, the Packers, I think, are going to be anywhere between 10 and 6 and as good as like 13 and 3, maybe 14 and 2 if they win a bunch of close games. But the, it's going to be, a, I don't see the Lions being able to, to beat the Pack. I don't see anybody in that division beating the Packers if, if, if the Packers stay healthy. Yeah, the Lions, part of it is the Lions have a tougher schedule, I think, than they did last year. And even if their schedule last year was tougher on paper, I mean, what it come, like I said, what it comes down to, I think they got lucky for much of last year to even get into the playoffs at all. And so that's that's going to work against them this year. I think it's going to flip over. Minnesota, like you're saying, I could see them contending as well for a playoff spot. Optimistically, I have them up at like nine and seven. But yeah, you could also see them taking, uh, not taking a step backward, but um, but not uh, being out of the playoff hunt uh, before we even hit November or something. I mean, Green Bay is clearly the class of that division, I think, in both our opinions. And I think I, – I don't know how we both feel about the, the – yeah, uh, and we will definitely get to that later. Playoffs, I have some. But we can get to that. I, I think the problem is, is that I I need to see the 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 Packers quote unquote ones really out there for for more than just um like Rodgers took 16 snaps in the game against Washington, um which isn't a lot like it's and they were they tried to run the ball a little bit and they never really like it wasn't wasn't like a true game situation. So I want to see how their, how their ones on both sides of the ball are really going to hold up. And when it's do or die and the games actually matter to really kind of get a grasp of where they're going to be, because I mean, the Packers like their, their pass rush is a big question. They re-signed um, Nick Perry to a lot of money and he's injury prone. Clay Matthews is just getting old and is not Clay Matthews from four years ago. That was just, the 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 Hall of Fame caliber talent that he was that he everybody thought he was like ah oh, he's probably going to the Hall of Fame I mean that's looking in question now just because the last couple of years he's really not the same guy um so they have a real pass rush problem and so it's going to be there's a lot of questions there around around the team that if they get answered like I could see them making a run at the Super Bowl this year I mean but it's all just depends on how how they play um, in the regular season Green Bay will be the tops in the North though. That would be a shock to both of us if they weren't. Yeah, they'll they'll be the kings of the north again. Um, but moving away from the the north, so to speak, we'll we'll move on to the NFC South, which I think is more of the more interesting divisions in football. So, what are your thoughts, Kempson? I agree. I think the Falcons. I think the Super Bowl hangover, especially from the greatest comeback in the history of the Super Bowl, is is real. But I think they have a young defense that they've that they're uh, they made some improvements to on paper and on offense. They're still going to be explosive with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and and all the the rest. Devontae Freeman got paid this offseason. He Kevin Coleman. I mean, they have so many weapons there. Atlanta's going to be still be dangerous uh, no matter how how they end up. And uh, but like I said, because of that Super Bowl hangover that's been notorious. I mean, Carolina came out of this division and went to the Super Bowl a year or two ago, and they crashed back down to earth big time the the next year, well, last year. Uh, Tampa Bay, I think, is one team that will take a step forward. I think they'll make the playoffs, actually, whether it's as a divisional winner or a wild card. Uh, wild card. 
I think they're going to be in the postseason. Jameis has, I think Jameis is going to continue to develop, and I think he has great weapons. They added Sean Jackson. They added O.J. Howard out of Alabama. And then that defense is is pretty good as well. And so I, I would look for Tampa Bay to, to be uh, in the hunt this year. I don't think they're pretenders anymore. I think they're contenders. Carolina, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is going to be fun to watch. Uh, no question about it. They added a Curtis Samuel as well um, on the offensive side. It's The biggest thing about Cam Newton is, first of all, getting him healthy, but also letting him know and making it true that he doesn't have to make all the plays. And so I think they've done pretty well with that, as long as they can obviously keep him protected. Um and uh, not have to lean on him so hard. Uh, I think that'll that'll bode well for them. Carolina on defense is always is usually solid, and I expect them to be that way again. New Orleans, their defense has been a huge question mark for several years now, and it's been two or three straight nine, seven and nine seasons, partially because of that. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback in, in Drew Brees, who is uh, in the twilight of his career, but he's still he's uh, still one of one of the best in the game and they gave him a few new toys to play with um as as far as the order of this division i, I think atlanta and tampa are gonna be playoff contenders i think carolina and the saints will be kind of on the on on the bubble uh, and on the outside looking in when it's all said and done but i think they will both be very competitive as well uh, in the division and outside the division i agree with you that top to bottom this is going to be a very very interesting set of teams I mean, I, I think just looking at it, I think it's the best division in football. Like, if you look at it, I don't think there's... I mean, you could make an argument that the AFC West is also really is really good because every team there is dangerous. Like, there's, there's certainly that argument to be made. But I look at the NFC South, and I think... I mean, New Orleans and Carolina, I think, are going to finish any, like 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, and seven. Like, I think that both of those teams are going to be at 500 or one game above 500 and then the Falcons and Bucks are going to be in a pretty tight battle to win the division. I think again a lot of these predictions come down to it's really tough in the preseason to really see um how these teams are going to react in in close game situations because ultimately that's what it comes down to is a lot of these games are going to be won and lost in in close situations and which teams are going to be able to best handle that um especially with their new personnel is really hard to see in the in the early goings of the preseason. Uh, but I think, I actually think the Bucks are going to sneak out, sneak out the NFC South this year. Um, I think that they're, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. Um, I think they give, they give Atlanta some problems in terms of the fact that like Atlanta last year ran into a couple teams with some pretty high powered offenses and had a little bit of trouble um, on the on the defensive side of the ball, but their the Falcons' offense was just so incredibly powerful that they were able to kind of overcome it. Um, I know they've got they've got some guys. Um, what's the their their one defensive lineman that's just a stud? Um, oh, Vic Beasley. Beasley, thank you. I I got the I was like Vic something, but I couldn't think of. Yeah, Beasley's going to be a stud. Um, he continues to get better every year. Um, they've, they're going to get, um, Trufant back on, on the, at, at corner, which will help a little bit, but I think they still have some questions in terms of their ability to hold up against a high powered offense, like the Buccaneers, who I think overall might be a lot, might be more talented than, than the Falcons are in terms of just raw firepower. 
because the, the the Buccaneers last year, I mean, with Mike Evans is 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 always a stud. They had like a high powered offense where he was the centerpiece. Now you add Deshaun Jackson, um, and this tight end kid that's just going to be. It gives them a lot of firepower that you can go and go. Oh, Jay Howard can block, and he's a pass catching threat. I mean, tight ends take a little while. Usually in the NFL, they never pan out their first year, or they rarely do. Like it takes them a year or two to really get into the into the like the groove of being a great NFL tight end. So he might not pan out initially, but it's just one more weapon for Jameis Winston, who I think I've always been kind of down on. I think he's overrated as an NFL quarterback, but he is getting better. Um, He's a big leader in the locker room. And I think his decision-making is slowly getting better, which has always been my biggest knock on him as he turns the ball over too much. He's getting better this preseason. He's looked really, really good. Um, I think the the Buccaneers are going to really be able to give the Falcons some problems and like really, really engage in a battle to win that division. And I think as of right now, I think the Buccaneers might pull it off. Um, it's going to be close though. It's going to be, I mean, if 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 these games are as close and they both are winning the close games, it's gonna it's gonna come down to like the head to head matchup, and I have each one of them winning one game there. So it'll be interesting to see how that pull um, plays out. Um, in terms of the Panthers, um, their biggest thing is adding Christian McCaffrey is going to add a whole new wrinkle to that offense. Uh, he's a pass-catching threat. He's a hard runner. But in the sense that like he's not necessarily a power back. He's not your Marshawn Lynch's, your Adrian Peterson's that are just going to like run through dudes. He's definitely more of a – I call them more of a modern running back Um I have this like weird theory that in a couple years that the running backs are really going to – start to die out a little bit as we know them like they've already started to die because they've just haven't been as useful in the modern NFL but that you're that you're going to start seeing running backs become less like built like these just brick monsters of men that just run over dudes and the guys that are more built like the the Christian McCaffrey's and the Ty Montgomery's and the Le'Veon Bell's of the world that are going to beat you with their awareness their speed their quickness um, and their patience as a runner, as well as their pass catching threat. And I think give Christian McCaffrey to Cam Newton and you'll see what happens. It's going to be, um, there's a lot of potential there for some high flying shenanigans. Um, and just like just an awesome potential on offense for the Panthers, especially if Kelvin Benjamin stays healthy all year and comes back and looks like he did. They'll be, they'll be a tough team to beat. Um, the problem is I think on defense, I think, if you look at the Panthers, yeah, they might have gotten better, but at the same time, like losing Josh Norman last year really hurt. Um, they had so they drafted some rookie guy, they had some rookie guys that came in and some younger players that towards the end of the year really started to shine in the Panthers' defense. But um, it happened too late, and the thing is, is like I don't know if that was just a matter of them getting used to the system, or it was just that they're gonna they're some of those players that the first five or six weeks of the season they're just not gonna be great and then once they once they're locked in and ready to go, they're locked in and ready to go. If they if they get to that point it'll be it'll be much more of a okay, well they're gonna be good. Um and they can contend I think they're gonna contend, but I just don't think they have in the entire offensive package as well as the entire defensive package, especially if Keekley gets hurt. If Keekley gets hurt on defense, the Panthers are in a lot of trouble. And with how injury-prone he's been the last couple of years, um, there's some big questions there. And then New Orleans, their defense is the biggest question mark of all. Like, their defense has been bad the last few years. They might have incrementally got better here and there, but 
their their defense is going to be a huge liability. The question then becomes is like, okay, can Drew Brees manufacture another 5,000-yard season with no wide receivers because Brandon Cooks is gone? So it's going to be very interesting to see how how they respond. I think the Saints are anywhere from 8 and 8 to 9 and 7, maybe even 7 and 9 just kind of sitting there trying to get the offense to carry him. And in today's NFL, like as high-powered as offenses can be, unless you have somewhat of a defense, it's going to be tough to contend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of uh, survivor Sean Payton is, I guess, because he used to be one of uh, one of the hot young coaches in the league, especially once he got his, his ring. And then uh, now he's, uh, like I said, he's been had a couple uh, different losing seats. He's had three back-to-back, I think, seven and nine seasons. And, uh, New Orleans has um, has struggled definitely on both sides of the ball, but especially on the defensive side. And I mean, again, as far as you know, that Super Bowl hangover effects, it's it. Uh, again, I'm I'm a believer in the Falcons. I think they can kind of uh, they can beat it. I think they will still make the playoffs, but I would not be shocked necessarily because of that factor if the Panthers take their place in the postseason. But um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it for uh, for the South for me. I think Tampa Bay is gonna it's gonna make a step forward, and that it's probably gonna include winning the division as well. Yep, I, I yeah, that's that's pretty much sums up my thoughts pretty well as well. So let's take a look at the NFC East, which is another like one of those divisions where two of the teams are gonna be mediocre, maybe, but are still like have some compellingness, especially with, with the Zeke suspension and the Cowboys too. So what do you think? I think the Eagles are going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of this year because Tampa Bay last year was contending for the playoffs deep into the season. And they ended up with an, like a nine and seven record. They ended up with a winning season, but they weren't quite there yet. And I think that's where Philadelphia is going to be this year. They're not going to quite make it to the playoffs, but they are going to be uh, one of the most competitive, interesting teams in the National Football League. And the Giants are going to win this division, especially with the fact that Zeke's suspended for six games. And the Cowboys are going to get off to a slow start, I believe. I I like Dak Prescott, but um, it more has to do with the defensive side of the ball and the fact that it feels like they're – if they're not, it feels like they're – Dallas is replacing their entire secondary and that might actually be the case on paper, but it definitely feels like it. Uh, So I think the Cowboys, I mean, it was, it was a running joke for a while and I think they're going to be like eight and eight. um, Unfortunately, uh, when it comes to, and hopefully, you know, Zeke can, um, can grow up a little bit and, uh, and not hurt his team uh, like that anymore. Uh, And like I said, you know, Dak Prescott, as Bryant, there's still some. The, the Cowboys are not going to be boring, and they'll probably steal a bunch of national TV games once again, just because they're the Cowboys, um, and people are going to watch no matter what. But uh, and yeah, this. But top to bottom, this division is always interesting. The Redskins are kind of the odd man out to me. I think they're going to have a losing record. Um, the, the GM thing with Scott McLuhan getting um, kind of fired, but nobody announced it and now with the whole Kirk Cousins thing the way they're handling that or not handling it or however whatever your opinion is of that it's it just seems like they're kind of in flux as an organization to a certain extent and that doesn't bode well on the field um even though they are a talented squad 
Um, they, I think they're going to be in the cellar of the NFC East when all is said and done. I think the Giants are going to win. I think that's pretty – I think they're one of the best teams in football. Their, their secondary la- – or their defense last year was second in defensive DVOA. Um, if that trend continues, they're going to be a tough team to beat. They're going to be one of the hardest teams in the entire NFL to beat because their defense is good and their offense is high-powered um, and just in, in a pretty good spot that they – I mean, they added Brandon Marshall, who's a stud of a receiver. I mean, he's just a beast. Put him with, with um, Shepard and Odell Beckham Jr., and you've, you're sitting there going, well, that's, that's scary and they drafted that tight end that might be pretty good. Um, so, they, I mean, their offense got more high-powered. Their running game is, of course, a question, as well as Eli Manning being Eli Manning and being maybe the most spectacularly, like, mediocre quarterback ever in terms of the fact that, like, he can just be mediocre and then suddenly he just turns it on and turns into the world-beater Eli Manning that beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. Um, it's really good for me. It comes down to how well is Eli going to play? I have them finishing about 12 and four, 13 and three, somewhere in that area. Um, and then after that, I actually have the Cowboys at about eight and eight or nine and seven, just depending on how some close things shake out in the early part of the year. Um, the Zeke suspension could really hurt the Cowboys in the first, um, their first six games of the season are the giants. So not having Zeke will really hurt there. The Broncos, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Packers, um, and then the the 49ers. And I have them. I mean, I have the I have the Cowboys struggling. I mean, I'm sure they will win one or two of these early games. Um, they'll definitely beat the Rams, but they'll they'll struggle against the Giants. Um, not having a running attack against the Broncos uh, is going to be a real problem. Assuming. Z- um, assuming hypothetically here at the moment too, that Zeke doesn't play, that he is actually suspended and there isn't an injunction that lets him play. Um, the Broncos will be a tough out because their secondary is the best in the league. That's not changing. I don't think, I don't see them just suddenly getting bad on defense. Like their defense is going to be scary, especially if you're going to have to throw the ball and forcing a young quarterback with with a limited rushing attack to be, to throw against that Broncos defense, whoo, you better look out. So that'll be a tough game. Arizona's defense, from everything I've heard from training camp and, and the preseason, is looking like Tyron Matthews, a world eater, like just a world destroyer at this moment. Like, back to the, the Tyron, the honey badger of old, that is going to just be a tough a tough guy to play against um and they all in, all accounts are they're going back to looking like the Arizona defense from 2 years ago that that got them one win away of 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 a Super Bowl run so just being a really tough defense to beat losing Clayus Campbell's going to hurt but they still have a really talented defense um especially if um they're uh they have a couple they have that guy on defense too that I can never pronounce his last name on the Cardinals too, that they think is going to be able to kind of come in and replace Calais Campbell. That if he, if he takes that step up, um, he'll be able to, uh, he'll really be able to, or they'll be really able to compete and be a really tough team. Um, As far as, um, and then they'll beat the Rams. The Packers will be tough just because, I mean, the, the Packers offense got a lot better in the off season with Martellus Bennett um, coming in. And I also think that, 
in general, dealing with Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, um, and now Devontae Adams, who, I mean, like two years ago, Packers fans, myself included, I didn't necessarily want him cut. I wanted him sent down to the practice squad for a little bit to bring guys up to give some other guys a chance to compete. Um, because, I mean, two years ago, Devontae Adams was struggling. He was dropping a lot of passes, wasn't mentally in the game where he needs to be, uh, needed to be. And as he has since, like, last season he had a resurgence. And if he continues that resurgence, you know, he'll be the Packers' number one wide receiver. And then you've got Jordy being their number two guy. And Jordy was is a, you know, perennial pro bowler and is just an incredible receiver. That you have a guy that might be better than Jordy. Like, it's going to be a tough out for a Cowboys secondary that that is really, like, in, in, a, in a bit of a turnover. So, like, I, I see the Cowboys, you know, starting maybe two and four um, and just not being able really to recover because they play the Falcons um, in the middle of the season. They'll have Zeke back, but the Falcons are going to be tough. They're going to score a lot of points, um, and they're going to have receivers. They're going to be hard to cover. They play the Giants again, and I think the Giants will beat them, and I think the Raiders will beat them. So, I mean, I, I don't see the Cowboys f- – winning more than nine games if they win nine games i'll even be shocked at that in all honesty um the eagles on the other hand i actually disagree with you that i think the eagles are going to finish about six and ten i sit here and i look at their schedule so their first game the redskins they'll win they'll beat the chiefs i think they'll lose to the, the eagles will lose to the giants um they might split the series against the giants but the games will be close and i tend to just like in these situations i'm going to favor the better team so I think the Giants will win both of those games there. But so week three they'll lose to the Giants. They'll lose to the Chargers, who, as you know, I think are going to be a, are going to really make a resurgence. The Cardinals are going to be a really tough team if their defense is as good as they look for for a young Carson Wentz um, to really compete against. The, the, I think they'll lose to the Panthers for much the same reason. Again, they'll they'll beat the Redskins. They'll beat the Niners. The Broncos defense for much the same thing I said about Dak is the same thing here is that they, they play tough defense and I, it's a, he's a young QB that needs a lot of help. Um, I think the Cow, they'll, they'll lose to the Cowboys. They'll beat the Bears. They'll lose to the Seahawks. Again, good defense. They'll beat the Rams. They'll lose to the Giants. They'll lose to the Raiders and they'll lose to the Cowboys. And I just don't, I know a couple of these games are going to be close and might go the other way, but I really struggle to see the Eagles being better than six and 10, eight and eight range. Like I just really see them, them really struggling just because they have a really tough schedule this year that just looking at it, they play a lot of really tough teams. And the thing about it is, is like a lot of these teams that I think are going to be really tough just took, had a huge step back last year. And I think that's one of the, thing, the things you're kind of seeing this year is you saw a lot of teams last year that took huge steps back, like Denver, Arizona, um, and Carolina are like the big ones that are like, they took steps back. Um, and maybe even Seattle to a little bit of an extent where you were like, oh, they took steps back. So now teams that are playing like third and fourth place schedules, though, still have to play some really tough teams that are going to really give them a run for their money. And in terms of the Redskins, I just sit there and look at them um, uh, as a team that, like, I don't see them having any answers at their with their problems. Their their offense got weaker. They need they need to give Kirk Cousins some weapons. They need to address their some more problems on defense. Like, they have a lot of they have a lot of struggles that they need to kind of work through and bring some stability back to an organization that is just kind of spiraling out of control. Yeah, man. And I, I think some of the coin flip games, I just went the other way with the Eagles. And um, 
I think that's kind of the difference there. Uh, something to remember about them is that they have actually, I mean, there's been a little bit of, I guess, some question marks on the offensive line, but they have a committee of undersized but dynamic-looking running backs um, behind LeGarrette Blunt, who was kind of an under-the-radar free agent signing that they made late in, in the game there. And so I think Philadelphia, that's part of the reason I think Philadelphia is going to be dangerous. Uh, I don't think they're going to be a team that many look forward to playing, but I also don't think they're going to be world beaters necessarily any uh, either. And the Giants, I mean, the big question mark for me is, is their offensive line. I think they got better everywhere else, but their offensive line, there's still still some uh, still still could be an Achilles heel of, the, of this team. Their investment in the defense clearly paid off last year. And I think they're going to be the class of the East. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I got for, for the East. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to say there. I think, I think we've pretty much covered, covered it there other than, I mean, I, I think you're right on the coin flip thing though. Like I, I, my thing is with these coin flip games in the preseason is like, it's you're guessing like you were literally just taking a guess of like, well, it's a coin flip game. So I just tend to side with the, with the better team. And some of these scenarios, I, maybe these teams will split some games, but I just really sit there and go, these games are going to be close. Um, and especially with some of these teams, like the Eagles who have some, have young talent that's still kind of raw, like no offense to Carson Wentz. He's still kind of raw and needs some, needs some, some stuff around him to, to really become like reach his full potential. But, um, I just kind of, I, I went the other way and I think that's, and that's fair. So we got one division left though. Um, and we're saving certainly not the best for last, but it is still certainly as always a compel a compelling division in the NFC West with Cardinals, Seahawks, Rams, and 49ers. Um, Kempson, who's your big winner? Who do you think is going to walk away winning this division? Well, up top, it's, it's I mean, a couple of the best teams in, in the National Football League, usually. I mean, year in, year out. Cardinals had a weird year last year where they were 7-8-1, and one, and so that was kind of, I mean, that that – that record right there was kind of a microcosm of their year. They were mediocre for, for much of it, and they were plagued by injuries. I think this is going to be a bounce-back year because they're still in win-now mode with Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, and some other uh, older talent. And uh, I agree with you, kind of like you were talking about when you're going through Dallas's, uh, what we expect Dallas's slow start to be. Uh, Arizona is, if they can get that defense back up to where it was uh, a couple seasons ago where they were making the run to the NFC Championship, they're going to be scary. There's no question about it. And so I have Arizona and the Seahawks up there in the 12 and four range. And I think they're both going to be going to be able to, uh, to, to do that. The Seattle has this annoying effect. Uh, well, it has the, it has this effect. Um, it's kind of like the Patriots have been for, for years. They have th this thing where they're just good and they're, they just never go away. And that's how they win several games that maybe they shouldn't. And it's, it's, it's this kind of, it's kind of annoying. Uh, I mean, to you and I, just because of the re the part of the country we live in and um, how, uh, how vocal some of their fans can be. Um, but as far as, as long as Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and, and uh, are the faces of that franchise, I think they're going to be uh, in contention for Super Bowls and division titles and, and the whole, whole nine yards. The Cardinals, I think are going to be better this year. 
the Rams, I mean, they got Jared Goff some weapons, um, including Sammy Watkins in a, in a surprising trade a couple weeks. It's been a couple weeks now, but, but they, uh, they got him in there. And so the Rams have surrounded him with some talent. Uh, they always have a, seems like they always have a solid defense. Um, but I don't know if it's going to translate into a lot of wins just because of the way their schedule kind of lines up. And uh, I just think there's a lot of teams that they're playing that in, in some of these coin flip games, it could go either way. I mean, I think the Jaguars, I think the 49ers, I think the Redskins, there's, there's a lot of teams on their schedule where it could go either way, the Saints. And um, so maybe they could improve their record from like four and 12 that I have them at right now. But I think they are going to be better than the 49ers. I think 49ers are just a team in transition and that's, that's, all you can basically say about them. I think they will be a little bit better. They're going to be more competitive, but they're still not going to have a good record uh, as far as uh, how, how San Francisco is going to finish finish up. Um, so, yeah, the NFC West is top-heavy again, I guess, in summary. The top two teams are going to be up there um, with some of the best in the league, and then the, the bottom two are, are um, not. Yeah, I think – just taking a look at this division, it's um, I think it's it's a battle between the Cardinals and Seahawks to win. I think the Cardinals are going to win it. I have them about twelve and four range ish, maybe eleven and five sort of sort of team. Um, because we know like the the, the Cardinals, it, it's going to be a battle between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And the fact of the matter is, I think the Cardinals, if their defense gets back to where it was, have the weapons on offense with David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald and Carson Palmer assuming they're where everybody thinks they're going to be, are going to be a really tough team to beat with that defense. Um, they're going to score a lot of points and keep teams from scoring a lot of points, so that's always a good thing. Pretty good indication. Um, then you then you sit there and you look at the Seahawks, who are really, really struggling um, at the moment. They're coming out of, in preseason. They, they look like a team that's got um, uh, a lot of – a lot of good things going for them, but then there's the big problem of um, uh, they don't have an offensive line at the moment. Like that's the big problem is that the Seahawks have that defense, but their offensive line being as weak as it is is going to pre- present a lot of problems in a way that I think is going to keep them from being good. They picked up Eddie Lacy in the off season, um, who's a is a good running back. I mean, I think Eddie Lacy over the last four years has been a top 10 NFL, if not borderline top five NFL running back. Um, he's just got last year. He got hurt and should never have been on the field. Um, and like everybody, like it, it's, it's pretty obvious that he did not belong on the field in that Dallas game that finally put him out. Like he was, he was already hurt and, um, the Packers put him out there and they shouldn't have, and it got him hurt and ended his season should not have happened under any circumstances. He should not have been out there. Um, but on the flip side of that, um, they have Lacey, but without an offensive line to block for him, um, even in preseason, Lacey's barely has like, was averaging like less than two yards a carry because he was getting just, annihilated in the backfield. It was like what happened to Todd Gurley last year and Melvin Gordon his rookie year was, well, uh, we can't run the ball because I'm getting just demolished in the backfield every time I touch the ball. 
So it turns Seattle into a team that doesn't have a lot of wide-out weapons that has to throw the ball. And it forces Russell Wilson to do Russell Wilson things and run around and make plays, but you can't put all of the onus on, on your quarterback. You have to have done things to to put him in a situation to where he can be comfortable in the pocket or at least run the ball to, to make the defense wonder what the heck is going on. And the fact of the matter is the Seahawks just – aren't in a position to do that. Uh, they just lost, is it Fant? Is that how you pronounce the their their uh, offensive lineman's name who tore his ACL in his name? Yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced. It's one of the two. Um, it's out for the year with torn ACL. Um, they're working on a trade with Philly, it sounds like, to, to get one of their offensive linemen to kind of try and fill that gap. But the Seahawks line is not looking good at this moment, and I think that's a big, big question mark. And on defense, Seattle's going to be – very much the known quantity that we've known for a while is that like they're going to be a, the legion of boom and doom just because they're going to be a tough team to throw the ball against and they're going to be a, a, t- a good pass rushing team they'll keep teams from scoring a lot of points but it's still it's still a unit that that like all of their resources feel like it keeps going to the defense and not into the offense like they don't have really have any weapons for Russell Wilson other than Eddie Lacy who if you can't run the if you don't give him room to run can't make plays like it's not his fault if three dudes are swarming him as soon as he gets the ball on the flip side, too, with the Cardinals, um, they have Robert Incomdiche, who's their like that's that kid they drafted a couple of years ago that they keep thinking they're waiting for him to develop. And if he takes the next jump and really replaces Calais Campbell, look out. The Cardinals are going to be scary. The Rams, um, obviously, they just picked up Sammy Watkins. They have Jared Goff at quarterback, who is nothing to scoff at. No kind of weird pun intended, but he's like, he's nothing to scoff at at the moment. Cause he could definitely turn into like this somehow dude that's like, Oh, I was terrible in preseason and got good. I don't really see it happening. I think the Rams are going to be terrible. Um, uh, I just really sit, I'm sitting there and thinking like, they don't, they, they didn't really get better. Aaron Donald is holding out and might not play at all this season. If he doesn't play, look out that team's going to be terrible. I don't care that they added Sammy Watkins and they also added Cooper cup who I have a feeling if he was on a decent team with a decent QB could make a run at offensive rookie of the year because he's a, I think he has a lot of, a lot of talent, but with Goff throwing him the ball and on a team that's just weak all around, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. Um, I tossed around the other day. I was talking to one of my friends about like, what do the Rams need to do to get better though? And like, as much of a Packers homer as I am, like I, I accept the fact that like the Packers are what I know better than any other NFL team is that like right now the big thing for the Rams though is that like they're in a weird spot. They have Sammy Watkins and they got Cooper Cup and they have they have, you know, Tavon Austin and they have, they have weapons, but the thing is they don't really have like a true, like really speedster, like solid guy on offense that like could really help take some pressure away from some of like the Sammy, the oft hurt Sammy Watkins and take some of the pressure away from Cooper cup to really give them time to develop. Um, and they're obviously like struggling to figure out if they're going to pay Aaron Donald. I think they should trade him. And I, I tossed around a few trades. A few of them didn't make sense, but the one that keep, that kept popping back up in my head was like, they should trade Aaron Donald for Randall Cobb because the problem is the Packers are going to probably get rid of him next year anyway, because if they want to keep, it's like the Packers are going to be forced next year to make a choice between Randall Cobb and Devonte Adams. Adams can play 
all positions. He can play in the slot. He can play outside, whereas Randall Cobb's almost an exclusively in the slot player anymore. And with Jordy Nelson kind of moving into the later years of his career, he's becoming more of a slot player, um, which is a is kind of an unusual thing to happen, but it is happening. Um, so they're gonna the Packers are, might have to get rid of him next year. And if you're gonna waste a year of Aaron Donald not playing, you should trade him. Trade him to a team that's like that has something to gain. So the Packers get a decent run stopper, I mean the best run stopper in the NFL and a decent pass rusher for for a guy that that is a um that is you're gonna have to pay ten million a year so the salaries like do kind of even out. But at the same time, um you've put yourself in a situation where it's like we have a we have a true offensive weapon for the Rams to really bring some veteran leadership into the locker room. And I think it, it, it really works out well for both teams. Now is it ever gonna happen? No, but it actually I think would make a lot of sense for both teams. Um, in terms of the 49ers, they're the 49ers. They have no quarterback. Their defense is in shambles. They really don't have weapons. I don't see them winning a lot of football games this year, plain and simple. End of story. Yeah, I mean, that's that's objectively true. I've accepted that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I grew up with family ties to both the 49ers and the Raiders, so at least one of them is good. Um, but they both can't be good at the same time, apparently. That's um, the... Rams thing is interesting. Uh, I was looking at some other teams and trying to rifle through like some of the talent they have both on the offensive and defensive side when while you were finishing your point there. And um, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm looking at some of the – I mean, there's, there's the legit contenders, obviously, but there's also some other teams like, say, the Chiefs that lost Don Terry, Don Terry Poe in the offseason – and but you wonder what they have to offer at the wide receiver position to the Rams or or to the offensive line uh, from the o, from the O line perspective. But anyway, I don't know. That's that's an interesting um, hypothetical there. Uh, but I mean, ultimately, I think we're in agreement that the Rams and the 49ers aren't going to be very good, and the Seahawks and the Cardinals are going to be very good. Yeah, and I think that I mean that's just how the that division is going to shake out. Um, I it's really tough to say what. What's going to happen other than other, with those with the bottom two teams anyway, other than they're going to be bad to what extent they're going to be bad is unclear, but they're going to be bad. So, I mean, that's that's all there is to it. Like they're going to struggle and that's OK, though. Like every, every team goes through goes through phases like that. They just need to start building and moving forward. I think the Rams are actually starting to kind of get that and start to to make some actually smart decisions. Um not paying Aaron Donald is not one of them, but they, they haven't overpaid a quarterback. They're being patient. They're going out and trying to get some weapons and at least give Goff a chance to develop. But I don't think they've necessarily done everything perfectly, but they're starting to kind of figure it out. So I think they're on the up and up. The Niners, I don't know what they need to do. They need stability. Um, they need Harbaugh back, but that's never going to happen. But that's... I think... Honestly, because the like, like I said, I, I uh, follow the 49ers at least semi closely. Still, it's I think that they do have uh, a pretty good regime uh, in place now. I th- especially just considering some of the they're doing some of the little things right. I mean, they they killed the draft. Uh, I um, they didn't necess- they didn't uh, some some things that they did do and some things that they didn't do. They went out and fleece the bears for a guy that they were going to get anyway, a uh, pick later. 
and and then they didn't reach for a franchise quarterback and uh, or a, a non-franchise quarterback and try to throw him into the fire. I mean, it's it's gonna there's gonna be growing pains for sure, but I I actually believe long term. Uh, that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan could actually build something in San Francisco. It's just not going to be this year. Yep, I agree. And um, we'll see what happens, though. It'll be interesting. And we will keep our fingers on the pulse of it, and we'll see what happens a couple years down the road. That's about, like, the only question for those two teams. So um, do we want to move on to playoff predictions or more specifically probably just Super Bowl predictions? So who do you have in the from the AFC making the Super Bowl? I have I – t- okay. I have this kind of personal policy to not pick a repeat winner of a conference because it's just so hard to get back and and do it again. But I mean, the Patriots were the class of their conference last year and they just got better in the off season. And so Patriots are, are my pick for AFC. I would say are my pick for AFC champions. I think that the Raiders and the Steelers are going to give them a, a run for their money to some extent. I think the Steelers have a better, uh, uh, if they can obviously stay healthy and, and get their killer bees, uh, Brown or Roethlisberger and all that, uh, or, and especially Bell on the field at once, and they can actually all play together and, and be out there. I think that they will definitely uh, give, give the Patriots some problems. I think the Raiders could as well if their defense makes strides, which, again, preseason return still, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's been mixed at best so far for them. Um, some of the other teams that I have making the playoffs, I mean, uh, for me, it goes Patriots, Raiders, or Steelers, and then the Titans, Texans, and I have the Chiefs making it as a 60, but I could also see the Ravens uh, possibly sneaking in there, and then the Broncos and Chargers. I mean, if they solve some of their question marks that we've listed earlier on, I, I think they could also sneak it, sneak their way in. At least that's the AFC for me. I look at it and I think um, I actually have had kind of a change of heart in the last week about a couple of things. I actually think the Steelers are going to be a lot better than I thought they were going to be. And there's, there's one big reason for that. Martavis Bryant, who everybody kind of forgot about where everybody's like, Oh my God, Le'Veon Bell's coming back. And, but then it's like the thrill three-headed monster of offensive weapons for Roethlisberger is back. Like all three of them with Brown, Bell, and Martavis Bryant. Like, uh uh-oh. They're going to be a flipping impossible team to stop on offense. Like, good luck. Like, good luck. Like, that's, oh my God. It's going to be scary. Like, he used to be, I I remember a couple years ago, it was, he was like this gigantic, like, Bryant was this gigantic X factor that everybody was like, oh my God, what's he going to, like, He's explosive, he's fast, he runs good routes, he, he makes good decisions, and he always just has a propensity to make big plays. And it's like, well, well, you now have three big playmakers on the same team. So I think the Steelers are going to, I think it's going to be Steelers and Patriots in the title game, and I think it's going to be a battle for who wins it. Um, It's going to be a tough one. I'm kind of at this moment actually leaning towards Pittsburgh, pulling it off, Um but I really think it's it's a tough thing to pick. Other teams I have in the playoffs, I think um, I think Tennessee is going to make a huge jump this year. They'll make the playoffs um, for sure. So I'll, I'll do division winners. I think it'll be the Steelers, the Titans, obviously the Patriots, and then the Raiders. And then the wild card teams will be 
either the Broncos or the Chargers. I think one of the teams out of that division will. I actually am right now leaning towards the Chargers, like actually making a big enough jump. Their defense was really good last year. Um, plus their offense got seemed to get a little better this year as well as they added um, love a healthy Keenan Allen. Excuse me, they didn't really add anybody with love a healthy Keenan Allen. If he stays injury-free and they keep keep the forward progress, I think they'll be a very tough team to beat. Um, in that division. The big problem I see with the Broncos is that Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch are not, are not good quarterbacks. Like they're mediocre at best. Um, maybe one of them being a little closer to average, but the problem is, is you can't win in this league without a good quarterback. So I think I kind of am giving the edge to the, to the chargers, but I could see the Broncos doing it. And I can also maybe even see the chiefs making a run at it. Um, I, I think the only team in the AFC East is going to be the is going to be the Patriots. Out of the South, I could see the Texans making a push, as well as out of the North, I could see the Ravens making a push. So it's it, it'll be an interesting playoff picture. Again, it just kind of comes down to them coin flip games that are just so hard to pick in the preseason. Um, and there's so many like question marks because like in the AFC, it's like you look at the Texans. Who's their quarterback going to be? Who's the Chiefs' quarterback going to be? Patrick Mahomes apparently has looked good. So, Still like, who's the quarterback? What? The Chiefs quarterback question isn't a question to me. I don't think so. I mean... I mean, I, I think it should be Alex Smith. Like, don't get me wrong, but it would not shock me if at a certain point in the year they start Mahomes. I could see it happening. Like, if he keeps playing as well as he is and they decide they really need a downfield, like, throw a thrower that's going to want to actually, like, push the ball downfield, I could see it. But I, I definitely think it should be Alex Smith, but there is certainly still a, a question there if Mahomes keeps the keeps the keeps the, the train rolling, so to speak. Well, speaking of trains rolling, uh, Deshaun Watson seems to have his. So part of the reason I think the Texans are gonna be so good is he's actually gonna make a pretty good transition and just be, you know, not necessarily dominant, but he's gonna be poised and he's gonna be what they need at the quarterback position, like you're saying. Well, all he really needs to do is here, here, here's here's your offensive strategy if I'm Deshaun Watson. Oh, they've got two dudes covering DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, DeAndre, here's the ball. Catch it. Like, that's like basically what the strategy needs to be is, like, they got to just – if they start feeding DeAndre Hopkins more than they have been, that offense is really going to open up with Will Fuller and um, really being able to uh, to, like, kind of – show off the full breadth of his skills because he's not like they, you know, that they, they, they can't double cover him and double cover um, DeAndre because there will actually be a quarterback that wants to throw to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, there will also, I mean, Braxton Miller, I hope, I think he'll take a jump. Obviously the running back position, we'll see what happens with Lamar Miller. It'll be kind of interesting. Um, but the Texans, like I think Deshaun Watson's going to come into a good scenario and really have a good head on his shoulders and be able to maybe make a push at it. I just think the Titans have, are going to make a pretty big jump this year. I think Mariota continues to show why he's probably the best quarterback out of that draft class. He protects the football. He makes great decisions. He throws the ball well. Um, he might not be as much of a gunslinger as Winston is, but I think I think Mariota is continuing to show why he's a special, special player. I agree. So, um so let's move back over to the nihilistic football conference and let's see Not who do you have in stop trying to make it a thing. I'm going to keep trying to make it a thing. What's the, so who do you have in the playoffs <sighs> or in the Super Bowl out of the, or at least in the championship game, let's do conference championship. That makes more sense. This is tough. I mean, honestly, because 
all of these teams in the NFC that I have making the playoffs have question, at least some of them minor, some of them more major, have question marks that if answered, they would be in the Super Bowl. You have the Packers, you have the Seahawks, you have the Giants, you have the Buccaneers, you have the Falcons, and you have the Cardinals. In order, well, in some kind of order, uh, the division winners to me are the Packers, the Bucks, the Giants, and the still, I mean, the Seahawks and Cardinals, you can flip a coin, and the Falcons will make it out of the South as a wild card team, or the Panthers. The Panthers are the are the next team in line in the in the conference, and then uh, you say, and then you go Cowboys, Eagles. I mean, Saints. The Vikings are also like kind of on the out are, are on the outside looking in, but they're kind of on the bubble in, in my mind. As far, I I don't know. I mean, I'm really struggling to pick the NFC, um, and I. I want to say the Packers, at least uh, at, at least for a number one seed, because they're partially because their schedule is is kind of easy as as it, the way it lines up, I think, and so I would give them the number one seed. And winning in Lambeau in the winter is no joke. I don't care what the strengths and weaknesses of each of the Packers team is; it's it's tough to do. And so for that. For those reasons, I would probably give them the nod. But if, say, they lose to the Seahawks in week one and they give up home field advantage, then the Seahawks will be in the Super Bowl. So uh, it's it's tough. I'm, But my Super Bowl, as I look at it right now on the little predictor machine that we're using, uh, is Patriots over Packers. I didn't go full, I guess, homer pick, at least on both of our teams, as far as the Raiders versus Packers Super Bowl. I could have. I didn't, um, but uh, I still have the Patriots repeating, which again is is weird for me to have a team repeating not only as conference champions but as um, as as Super Bowl champions. But there it is, Patriots over Packers. I sit there and I look at it and I go, okay, I I kind of agree with you. Um, I have a few like minor little like things that I'll add to this. Is that first and foremost, I think. I look at the Packers schedule and they play a first place schedule that is like, this is actually, they have a, like they have, they have an easy schedule, but they also have kind of a tough schedule because the way you look at it is, um, they play Seahawks week one, followed by the Falcons. Like that's a brutal first two weeks of the season. That's in, I, 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 I sometimes sit here and go, like, the problem that I have with the way the Packers' schedule works out is that, like, I sit here and I go, okay, I don't have a problem that they play so many some of these, like, super tough teams. I just don't understand why three of them are all in the first, like, half of the season. Be- or in the first five weeks, even. The Seahawks, Falcons, and they play the Cowboys in the first five weeks of the year. And the Cowboys, if they have Zeke, are going to be tough. Like, and it's like, there's this question of, is Zeke actually going to be suspended? Is he not? Like, what the heck is actually going to happen? Um, and I actually have, I have some thoughts that we'll wrap up with on that matter. I think at, at the end of this, if there's something I want to add to our previous conversation. Um, but I think the Packers have a, are in a weird spot because I, I think they're going to, Knowing with the, the Seahawks are having huge offensive line problems at the moment, I I am I'm giving the Packers the edge in Week One. It's at Lambeau. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a tough game. Like there's no doubt about it. You sit there and you go, well, the Packers are not always the hottest team right out of the gate. 
they do have some questions, but I think the Seahawks are a good matchup for the Packers in terms of if the Seahawks aren't are, like Mike Daniels is going to make it tough on the Seahawks to run the ball. Like just his presence alone is going to be tough. Um, you, you take a look at um, the rest of the Packers. Like they have some good, they have a good run defense, especially with this new nitro package where you're going to bring a lot of safeties down into the box. Like they're really going to be able to, 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 I think, stop the run pretty well. They did it against Washington in the preseason. Their ones really gave Washington a lot of problems who have a pretty good, ru- good rushing attack. Um, so I think, I think like that's a big question mark. Who wins that week one game is going to be pivotal. But then the Packers play the Falcons the next week, and then two weeks later play the flipping Cowboys, which is like, oh my gosh. Like, that's, that's a super tough first half of the ske- season for them is like those first like five games are going to be insane. Um, so that'll be, that'll be tough. And then they have, they play the Bucks and the Steelers who will also be tough games, but I think they will win at least one of those two games. Um, so that'll be tough. Um, and then I think you're going to have the Packers, Buccaneers, Falcons, Giants, Cardinals, and Seahawks. And some of these, like the Cardinals and Seahawks, I think the Cardinals will win the division. I think the Buccaneers will win the South, but I could easily see it being flipped. And then it, I sit there and I look at it and I go, well, the Packers are going to have to beat the Falcons to keep moving. I think the pa- the Falcons could give the Packers problems. I think the Buccaneers could give Packers problems. And I think the Giants could give the Packers problems. So I have a hard time like going with Green Bay. But the thing is, is that like I, I'm having a hard time picking against them too. It's like just this like as, as the homer in me that I know I can be at times. But I'm sitting here thinking that at this very moment, I'm feeling Packer. It's going to be Packer-Steelers in the Super Bowl. But I do have some reservations. That I think Packers, or not Packers, Steelers-Buccaneers is also very likely. That I think what you're starting to see, though, this year is that the, the NFC is murderer's row of people. Like, is like the, the teams in that, league, in that conference are insane. They're very tough. It's, you're, you're facing a murderer's row, and I I think the Buccaneers, Falcons, Packers, and Giants, and the Cardinals all have very legitimate chances to win the Super Bowl, and it's hard to pick against any one of those teams. But I'm going to pick Steelers, Packers, in the Super Bowl with the game being close, and I think the, the Steelers might get it done. Like, I, I genuinely think that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because... I shouldn't let this affect how I pick, but I do kind of at some level. It's like, okay, I don't want another Giants-Patriots Super Bowl because why we don't need another one of those. Um, and then, like, the Steelers-Packers would be a rematch of just a few years ago as well. And it's it's so it's – I don't know. It's I know we've had Patriots-Packers before as well, but we haven't had it really in this era, I guess. Like, it's it's um, it's um it's been several – years it's been over a over a decade since we've had the Packers Patriots matchup in the Super Bowl um but I mean you could I mean if things go right for the Raiders you could have a Super Bowl two rematch if things go way more correctly for the Chiefs than I'm expecting then you could have a Super Bowl one rematch so I mean it, it it shouldn't really affect us necessarily but you're that high on the Buccaneers you think they can all the way though i mean i i'm high on them on the uh, in the sense that like i think them in the foul i think they have a legitimate chance that high-powered offense could really pose a lot of problems for for a lot of teams 
Um, and, and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, the Patriots have a good defense and the Steelers have a good defense, but I mean, if, if the Buccaneers were to get there, they could win it. Like I, and I think they could get there because I think the Falcons aren't really going to be able to like, if, if the, when the Falcons and Buccaneers play twice this season, it's going to be, you know, the plus minus on how many points are going to get scored is going to be insane. It's going to be probably like North of 60 or 70 points. I mean, I I I think that because I think both of those teams are going to put up 30 points on each other, and you're going to just see it's going to be a battle both times they play. And if they meet in the playoffs, it's the same thing. The Giants and Cardinals have the have the defense to be able to to slow the Buccaneers down, but but it's a matter of they got to get there and they gotta and they've got to they've got to meet up. And I think the way I see it is I think the Buccaneers have a legit shot if they, especially if they play like the Packers and then the, and then the Falcons or like the Cowboys instead of playing like the Giants or the Cardinals, they could really, I think, I think the Buccaneers with a little bit of luck could win it all. I think Buccaneers Steelers is the most, might be the most fun matchup. Well, maybe Buccaneers Raiders. Um, but like that's, those are a couple of most fun matchups that I could, I could feasibly see happening like without something crazy uh, taking a crazy step forward. Like even if, like maybe the Titans make some run, like people are expecting the Titans to be good, but they're not expecting the Titans to be that good. If they like, that would kind of shock me that they make the Super Bowl. the, even the Titans, the Titans and even the Texans really. But then again, you look at it and the Texans, if they had decent quarterback play would have beaten the Patriots in Foxborough last year. I think we both believe that we both watched that game. And so that's another um, interesting thing to think about, but that is the nature of the pre of the preseason fixes. We don't know. We'll have a lot of the questions that we have now answered by the time we get there. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah. And I think for me, if I, if I was picking up like just an insane dream matchup of like, what's going to be a fun game, Steelers giants, would be a fun one. Like, think about it. You've got the top two of the top three NFL wide receivers in Antonio Brown and Odell on the field. You have two iconic quarterbacks, as much as I, you know, love to rag on Eli Manning because I think he's overrated. He's an icon, you know, doing battle with Big Ben Roethlisberger. Um, just, you know, Two like a high-powered offense versus that Giants defense. That yeah, the Giants have a high-powered offense, but it's not it's not Steelers high-powered versus that Giants defense. I mean, that's an exciting. I think that's an exciting matchup. I also think Packers Steelers is an exciting matchup from a rivalry perspective, but also in terms of like a personnel perspective. You've got Rodgers versus Roethlisberger round two. You've got um a, a lot of talented wide receivers. You got some talented running backs. You've got you know, pr- two pretty evenly matched defenses. It's a it's an even match and is a is a really fascinating one. And I can't wait to see how the season shakes out. The other thing I can't wait for, however, though, and we got to get to this will be the last part of our show for the week is, of course, the battle of the century that's going on over the weekend. The biggest fight in combat sports history, where we have the notorious Conor McGregor taking on the money man himself, Floyd Mayweather. Kempson, who do you think is gonna win? Who's your pick? Put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Yeah, I'm not putting any money on this. Um, but oh, me it's, either, to, it's, to be clear. I know, but it's just this – the way this is combined with, I guess, pop culture in a way, in a sense, it's just 
the way this this fight has just been has just built itself up to the proportion that it has is uh, is is just something else. I mean, it's it's um it's hard to kind of verbalize verbalize it all because and it's also funny because they had the whole press tour and everything and all that's going down. But I mean, to me, just being you know like a uh, I've been focused on other things and now all of a sudden it's here. And I think uh, to a certain extent, that's a good thing for it. But bottom line, I mean, are, we, are you asking for my like serious prediction or are you asking for just like a, a, a prediction? I mean, you can, you can get, I, I kind of want your serious prediction, but give me both of them. What's your serious prediction? And then what do you think is, I think McGregor's going to just like kick him at some point, like he's going to get hit and then McGregor's going to just go full MMA on him. Like, that's what I want to see happen. Honestly, it's McGregor. I think that would be hilarious. Yes. Just to yes. deliver a giant roundhouse kick to the dome and be like, get yeah. out of here, Floyd. Yeah. Well, okay. So can we talk about that for a second? Like it's been written in McGregor's contract. Like it's public information at this point that if McGregor can't throw any quote MMA techniques or else he loses his entire fight purse. Oh, okay. Well that, that, that rains on my parade. Well, it sucks because it doesn't just mean kicks. Like I could kick you in the head. Like, okay. It's like, that's, that's an MMA technique. I understand that. But like, he, he can't use his knees. He can't use his elbows. Okay. Also MMA Can he stuff. jump? But he, he can't throw Superman punches. He can't throw spinning <sighs> back fists. Like Floyd was like, you're going to box me. And I'm like, that sucks. That's sh- terrible. So like but still, I, I think what I'm, what the scenario that I'm, kind of seeing in my head, I guess, is like just instinct taking over at some point and, and just, and him just like taking Floyd to the ground or something. Like, I think that would be a really funny way for this whole like extravaganza to come to an end and like Floyd gets it, but he also couldn't run away. So that becomes a meme immediately. And it's, it's, it, it could just be, it would just be ridiculous, but I do think Mayweather's going to win unless there. I mean, I know there's a theory out there that Mayweather's just going to throw, or not a theory, but there's there's. I've heard the point where Mayweather would like throw the fight to guarantee two more fights just to get money from it. But then there's like, okay, what about fifty and L? And I think that's more important. I think keeping the zero in his in his loss column for career fights is is more important to him. And so I I think Mayweather's going to beat him. That's what I think is going to happen, and I, I, I'm a contrarian a lot of the time, but it's. It, I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I think a couple of things. The first thing is, I think there is there is some speculation that Mayweather is running out of money. That that is like part of the reason why he owes the IRS an unholy amount of money. So there's that speculation. There is. I mean, it would make sense for him to set up a third fight with McGregor, but. I just don't see it happening. I, I think Floyd's going to go in and fight, and we're going to see what happens. He's going to come in and take it seriously. I know Connor's going to do the same thing. Connor has boxed before, so his ins. I, I think the argument of his instincts taking over is a little. I think I think he's going to come in there and he's going to box him up because that's what that's what he's there to do, and I think that's what's going to happen. Is they're going to they're going to fight and they're going to box. Um, and I'm of two minds. I actually like the more and more I listen to Connor talk and like some of the, the rumors that have been coming out, the more and more I think Connor's going to win. Um, I think that like he beat the crap out of Polly Malinaji, who's a former world champion 
and Connor gave him hell. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, when you spar with a dude in camp, you shouldn't make the training partner do 12 rounds. It's like, that's the best. Like, the thing is, though, is like, as someone who has never been in a 12-round boxing match, you would want to spar a guy for 12 rounds to kind of get a feel for for what his gas tank's actually going to be like. Now, should you do that day in and day out? No. You should be the one sparring for 12 rounds against fresh fighters. But I, I do see a, a reason for him to want to get in there and, like, kind of kind of just see where his, where where his gas tank is compared to another guy that's been there and has the gas tank that that you need um i think that's a that's a pretty like apt thing to say i think um beyond that though the the one other thing i think that is is that like connor really did give give Polly some problems um they're moving to smaller gloves which is really going to help connor and i think connor is is a supremely confident guy who has is, every time you doubt Connor, he pulls it off and nobody's like, why is that? That is true. He does it every single time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, he's not mm-hmm. going to beat Joe. Well, I, I actually did kind of think he was going to beat Aldo. I didn't think it was going to be within the first round. I thought it was going to be a hard fought 25 minutes. And then he knocks Aldo out in 13 seconds. And you're like, what? I didn't think Connor was going to beat Chad Mendez. Um, I thought Mendez was going to out wrestle him, and I think Mendez actually had he come in on a full camp, could have beat Connor. Um, I think I think Chad gassed and just wasn't in fight shape, and I think that was a huge problem. Um, I didn't think Connor was going to beat Nate Diaz the second time, and he did it. Like every time you doubt Connor, he pulls it off. Um, so I'm done doubting the dude. The one thing I I will say is that like Floyd has the experience. But I think Connor's gonna hit him like Floyd's never been hit before. You hear from guys like Eddie Alvarez, it's like that that left hand of Connor's is is a is a big truck just hitting you in the face and you don't even see it coming. It's like lightning. And if he connects on Floyd and gives him some um improvised looks, I think he could beat him. Especially I think Connor has about four or five rounds that if he comes out actually, you know what, I'll give Connor six rounds. I think the first six rounds, Connor has a shot. Um, I mean, that's, that's only like what, see for six rounds, that's 18 minutes of actual fighting with, with a lot of rest in there. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think Connor has all the tools to do it. That's like what I want to happen. And what I, I more and more I'm thinking is just going to happen. I just have a feeling. Um, and especially with the fact that like Connor, Connor's not gonna be able to set a lot of stuff up. He's not a volume puncher, that's for sure. But he's gonna be unorthodox enough to where if he sets that left hand up and Floyd doesn't do his due diligence, he's gonna put Floyd's lights out. Um, on the flip side, though, I also am of the mind of the fact that Floyd Mayweather is the best boxer of all time in in terms of defense, um, and it's gonna be incredibly hard to hit and knows what he's walking into. Um, Floyd is not going to knock Connor out. He'll drag him to a he'll drag him to a decision. I just don't think Floyd has the punching power to do it. Um, but it, apparently Floyd might have broken his hand. Like there's rumors of that. There's rumors Floyd got knocked out in training. There's like there's a lot of stuff surrounding this fight. So I'm I'm going to say Connor is going to win by KO somewhere in the first six rounds. But I totally accept the fact that Floyd could totally beat the crap out of him and it's not even competitive yeah all kidding aside i i like what you said there like i i think that if if it goes similar in time and such to an mma fight i think uh, it's gonna be 
I think it's going to be an all-out war, and um, or at least it's it's going to be an even fight. But I think if if it goes longer than that, or if it goes into you know, it, obviously there's so many variables that that go into it. I hope McGregor wins. I'm rooting for McGregor, um, if nothing else, because we share Irish Irish, uh, Irish roots. Um, and but yeah, I mean, like I. Like you're saying, there's also the fact that he, every time we doubted him, he's come through. And um, and it's like he's the underdog in it, and so that's I'm a sucker for that kind of story as well. So um, it'll, it'll be – it should be epic. And uh, I don't know if it will live up to all the hype, but it should be epic. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and I, I'm not a Floyd fan. I, I don't like him as a human being. Um, I think he's – I think he's – too full of himself. I think he's got a lot of problems. I think domestic violence allegations and just, I, I don't like Floyd. I mean, I'll be, I'll be blatantly honest. I would love to see him, his head knocked off the camp, like bounced off the canvas is, is, as McGregor likes to say, you know, I'd like to see him bounce. I, I'd like to see that, like, you know, as, as kind of sadistic as that might be. I just, I just, I'm not a Floyd fan, but I think it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be the highlight of probably the sports world of this year. I know the Super Bowl was epic, and there's been some other big events like Usain Bolt's last race, and you know just some of the some of the stuff that's gone on. It's been a good year for sports, but I, de- I definitely feel like this has potential to be the biggest thing in all of sports. Um, I yeah, I don't I don't know. We'll see if it lives up to the hype, but it'll be interesting. But um. I, I, do you have anything else to add about about Floyd or the NFL before we wrap up here? I don't know that our original plan was to bookend this thing with domestic violence talk, <laughs> or at least a reference to it, but that's kind of how it worked out. Um, that's not always how it'll work out. Uh, I, I had fun uh, talking about uh, NFL specifically, specifically the games, like once you get down into that stuff, like we have to wait and see on a lot of it, but it's, it was a lot of fun to uh, to chat it up. This has been a heck of a long episode um and uh i mean it's been fun it's been fun yeah it has been fun and we'll we'll keep doing it we're going to keep working on getting better and putting out a pretty great podcast for everybody out here you know it's 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 going to be you know it's something that the more we do it the better it's going to get but it's always fun for us and we hope it's it's fun for all our for all our listeners out there i know i can speak to Kem, for kempson on that bit but i mean that'll pretty much do it for the week as, as always we we thank you for your time listening um Kempson, you can find him on Twitter at Kempson Cross. You can find myself on Twitter at the Danger Zone MT. You can find us on Facebook um, at www.facebook.com/semiathletic. You can, um, as always, you can find us on all of your favorite podcasting services from all around the world, whether it be Downcast or anything of that nature. We are there. You will, in fact, find us on iTunes as well. Um, we would always appreciate the ratings, some comments. We always appreciate feedback because, like, we do this for fun, but this is something that, like, we do want to put out the best product possible. So it's something for us that the more feedback you get, the better we are going to be and the better our analysis is going to be. And we really just want to get better at, at, at this. I know it's something that Kempson wants to do as a career. It's something that I just do for fun. But if, if the opportunity presented itself, I would I would love to kind of take this somewhere. So if you don't want to rate on iTunes or give us uh, any sort of feedback on, on podcast services, you can send us an email at semi.athletic.sportscast at gmail.com. Once again, that's semi.athletic dot sportscast at gmail.com and as always we thank you for your time and we will see you next week for more 
fun in the world of sports. This has been the Semi-Athletic Sportscast.